All right, we were going to do that top five Al Pacino speeches. And then it just seems long. It just seems like dependence is a medical condition many people... What? I was just, list, I was just listening to us on the new AOL radio player. That's uh, where uh, one of the <laughs> featured radio stations, Tim. Yay! AOL listeners the world over can hear the glory of AM970. Music.aol.com. Find the radio guide and we're between... KLSX and WJFK. It's because we're they know quality, Tim. Believe. That's, uh, <laughs> it's really because the it's word is... It's going to be hard to avoid us entirely pretty soon. The word is out about us on eaters, Tim. Mm-hmm. Uh, all right, so uh, here to begin the program, I have a little something. We were going to do the uh, we were going to do the top five Al Pacino rants, but they're all like two and a half minutes long, and so it would have been 15 minutes of just hearing Al Pacino talk on the radio station, which I guess has a certain sort of elan to it, uh, but probably not a judicious use of our time. Uh, so we could be playing Rick Astley. So instead, uh, we'll just start with this one right here on the Rick Emerson radio program as we begin Tuesday's program. You stupid <laughs> You, Williamson, I'm talking to you. You just cost me $6,000. $6,000 and one Cadillac. That's right. What are you going to do about it? What are you going to do about it? You shit. Where did you learn your trade, you stupid you idiot? Whoever told you that you could work with men? Oh, I'm going to have your job. I'm going downtown. I'm going to talk to Mitch and Murray. I'm going to Lemkin. I don't care whose nephew you are, who you know, whose you're on, you're going out. I swear to you. Anyone in this office lives on his wits. What you're hired for is to help us. Does that seem clear? For going out there to try to earn a living, you fairy. You company man. I'll tell you something else. I hope you rip the joint off. I can tell our friend here a little something might help him to catch you. You want to learn the first rule? You'd know if you ever spent a day in your life. You never open your mouth till you know what the shot is. You f***ing child. Why, hello, it's 8 minutes and 13 seconds after the hour of 11, and this the month of June in the year of our Lord, 2008. Thank you for coming along and making a part of your listening day. We are live from the plushly appointed yet not overly ostentatious studios of AM Live 70. Thank you so much for coming by. Uh, it is Tuesday, and welcome to Day 12. This is the Rick Emerson Cavalcade of Whimsy. Join us and laugh, laugh, laugh. It's uh, 503-733-2970, 503-733-2970. 970, if you'd like to uh, join us today, 503-733-2970. going on over there? I dropped my pen. Uh, with your comments, questions, clarifications, kvetches, two cents, recipes, you know, observations, ruminations, equivocations, prevarications, whatever it is you have today. 503-733-2970. 503-733-2970. Richie Bristol standing by, ready, willing, and able when he's not busy just, you know... Boning various members of the audience, apparently. Uh, Richie Bristol standing by, ready, willing, and able to pass along your observations about the interesting, the groundbreaking, the tedious, or the mundane. 
It's uh, 503-733-2970. 503-733-2970. You can also email if you like. It's rick at rickemerson.com. Rick at rickemerson.com. Sarah at 970.am. Tim at 970.am. Or Richie with a T at 970.am. It is uh, Tuesday, so here's what's coming out today. We'll talk to CNN Radio correspondent Lisa Desjardins today. Uh, we'll also talk to Steve Kastenbaum. Amanda Moyer, who's talking about... Wait for it. Guess what uh, Amanda Moyer is talking about, Tim? Gas prices? No, you're wrong. It's not gas prices. I knew you would guess that. That's a little misdirection, Tim. I've thrown it's you off the scent. gas prices. No, she's not talking about gas prices. They Lisa. need to be spoken of more. I swear to God, though, both Lisa and Steve are talking about gas prices. I mean, that doesn't mean we're going to talk about it with them. I mean, we kind of, you know, we'll, we'll find something else to discuss. But let me just say that Amanda Moyer is talking about... Carnival accidents. So there you go. How could we not book Amanda Moyer to talk about that? So just in time for the Rose Festival. I thought the Rose Festival is over. Wait, I thought it was still going for another day. Are you telling me that I booked somebody to talk about carnival accidents and the Rose Festival is over? There'll be another carnival coming through. Damn me. Damn me to hell. Yeah, all the ships left yesterday. The damn dirty ape, Tim. Uh, all right. I didn't say that. I finally blew it up. In any event, we'll talk to CNN Radio correspondent Amanda Moyer. Moyer? Uh, about uh, carnival accidents today. We may or may not get Peter Carlin on, on the horn uh, because, well, first of all, we were supposed to do it yesterday, but I kept thinking yesterday was Tuesday. It's all very, uh, it's all very awkward. So uh, we were supposed to get Peter Carlin yesterday because he was going to be talking about that Roman Polanski film. Did you watch it? Terrific. Yeah, Chris Neathen sent me things. He's like, are you watching this Polanski film? And I got rid of HBO, so I'll have to wait and catch up, uh, you know, at some point. But I heard it was good, if a little unsettling. Yeah. Uh, it's hard for it not to be unsettling. What, with the raping? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, we were, so we were supposed to get Peter Carlin on the show yesterday to talk about the Roman Polanski film. But the thing is, because it's HBO, they're going to run it like a thousand times. And they're going to have a new documentary on every Monday night at the same time. Is that true? Yeah. You know, I might have to resubscribe. I mean, I got rid of it just to sort of see if I could live without it. Now I think I know the it answer. It only is... costs me an extra dollar seventy a month. See, that's how they get you. Just when I thought I was out, Tim, they pulled me back in. All right. Well, and because they're going to be launching that new show from David Simon, who did The Wire, uh, Generation Kill, they call it, and so that's going to be uh, that's going to be rolling out on HBO. So I'm, I, I guess I'll just have to buckle down and do it. In any event, uh, so. Peter wants so and he, so he sends me this email this morning, and says, "Hey, so how about I come on Wednesday and do a top five? But what I'm going to propose to him is that he actually come on today, talk a little bit sort of after the fact about this Roman Polanski thing, which is going to be playing kind of throughout the month on HBO, and then maybe return tomorrow uh, as well to do a, a top five. Don't forget uh, Thursday and Friday we are in alleged best ofs uh, while I'm uh, somewhere else. So there you go. So I'll be gone. Go figure." Uh, so Are that you going is, to be in sunny Southern California? I will. I will be in San Diego, Tim, uh, where the uh, weather is warm and the horchata is cold. So I will be uh, there doing nothing in particular uh, for like three and a half days. Uh, let's see. Coming up today, uh, we will also have uh, Geek Watch, Darwin Watch coming up today, High Concept Tuesday. Um, and I, Sarah heard my lament this morning that I didn't put together a top five. I sort of tried and I, uh, I tried and I choked. Just got a whole lot of... Uh, After yesterday, I kind of want to listen to some early 90s music. Can I put together the top five when I was in seventh grade? <laughs> you mean the actual top five or like your personal top five? Ooh. I can go get the book and you know that has all the top five lists. 
I got a billboard. I got Joel Whitburn's uh, look, billboard look the, companion. Can can I pick a random week uh, when I was in? Yes, seventh you grade? can. So what year would that have been when you were in seventh grade? Uh, that would have been ninety-two. Hi, boy, I'm old. All right, so there you go. Yeah. So do you want to do the? the top, I totally will. The top five songs from some week when you were in seventh grade. Yes, just they'll just amount to my top five favorite songs from right. that year. All right, I'll go find the book here. We'll put that together later. Okay, coming up later on today for no readily apparent reason, Sarah Dillon's top five songs from some week when she was in seventh grade. Um, there you go. Uh, Tim Riley's working on the following stories for your edification today. Uh, so Republicans have blocked a measure imposing windfall profits taxes on big oil companies. NBC's Andrew Mitchell apologizes for calling southwestern Virginians rednecks. An all-night search in Sandy for a parachutist revealed it was just helium balloons stuck in the tree. Just like the Roswell crash, Tim. Uh, meanwhile, a paraglider is missing. A woman is charged with identity theft of an 89-year-old Lake Oswego man's identity, charging more than $100,000 to the victim's names. Why would you steal the identity of a 90-year-old guy? She that doesn't even make any sense. How can I get this Geritol? I know, I'll pretend to be the guy across the street whose bones are half dust. Mm -hmm. Contaminated tomatoes poison three Oregonians. And a four-year-old grabs grandma's gun and shoots herself inside the South Carolina Sam's Club. Oh. That is not the feel-good story of the day, right there. No, that is a, that is not the pick-me-up story. Today. No. Uh, all right. Uh, so I, I get a big a pile of, of stuff to get here, uh, to get through here. So we'll, we'll do that first of all. Um, I don't even know how to say this. Um, Tim, have you checked your CVS mail this morning? Not, I don't know if this mail went to everybody. Let me look. I don't know. I mean, this is a thing I probably should be telling you. I mean, it, it, like, is a sense of... Is this about the AOL on uh, CBS? No, it's not. Um, okay. I just changed my password. Please, I know that me. you can be a little germ-phobic under the best of circumstances. Oh. I know that even just on a normal, everyday, kind of show-up-to-work kind of day, mm -hmm. everybody in this room is a little freaked out about germs, microbes, fungi, Memo. organisms. Contagious. Yeah. Did you see the memo that says contagious on the subject line? Tim is pulling back from the screen in horror. Does she work in this building? So, this yes, there's pink eye. No! Hey, there's pink eye in the building. No! Who? Yes. <laughs> I've just been trying to... I, I don't... It, it, I shouldn't Ooh, give out... Well... I was aching the other day. No! <laughs> who is it? Oh, no, hold on. Let me just... I won't... We shouldn't say her full name on the air. Let's call her L. But she, w. But, but she works down the hall. <laughs> also, can I just say this? So not only not only is there pink eye in the building... By the way, uh, she, she works like about 50 feet from us. And I know not even 50 feet. I know somebody whose computer she was using the other day. In other words, the person down the hall, who we will not identify, you know what I'm going on the air saying, announcing to everybody that somebody has pink eye, but apparently she was upstairs typing away on Bridget's computer. And I guess, I guess Bridget, oh, and here's the other great thing about it. The person in the building who has pink eye. Can I go wash my hands now? Really <laughs> no, no, quick? you have to stay here really quickly just so I can say this. Because we were all in Susan Reynolds' office yesterday when, like, the pink eye announcement was made. So the person who has pink eye, who we will call... Jane. Jane. So apparently, so apparently Jane had actually come by Susan's office earlier in the week going, hey, can I borrow your eye drops? <laughs> oh, and she's a friend of mine, too. Yeah. Oh. Where is your God now? So, oh, man, my eye was itchy. Now I'm starting to see, but that I see, wash my head. Now you know my pain because we were sitting in Susan's office yesterday. I gave her a big hug because, like the other day. Because Did you give her a hug, an eye-to-eye -eye hug? Yes, we rubbed eyeballs. I was just going to say, was that an eyeball-licking hug? 
Wait, hold on. Before you go, let's do this Incan ritual of shoving our uh, pupils together. There you go. Fantastic. Um, so in any event, so sitting in Susan's office yesterday when this sort of this sort of pink eye announcement was made, and all of us in the office immediately were like, oh, my eyes itch. So suddenly you have to scratch your eyes. But then, of course, you don't want to because you're like, well, what if you, you know, what if you were touching a doorknob or something? And so we all, Bridget and Susan and I, all at once dove for the little bottle of Purell. Uh, that sits on Susan Reynolds' desk. What does that do? Pure, it's like hand sanitizer. It's alcohol. Okay. You know, it's not like an antibacterial thing. Cause that, learn more about pink eye. If, don't, you don't want to learn any more about pink eye. All I, the, only, the only word I have uh, for you, Tim, in regards to pink eye is gunk. That's the only word you know and the only word you need know. So we all immediately go for the Purell, which is the alcohol. Because, like, antibiotic crap doesn't work. It's, it's all about, it's just all straight, pure rubbing Bacteria, alcohol. including ear infection, sinus infection, yeah. Oh, nice that we have people. Oh, there. no, it'll decimate you. Not only that, uh, let me see if I can find Susan Reynolds. There's something else I should actually tell you about this. There's, pink eye. There's, another, there's another bit of information you need to know. Pink Eye Headquarters. Thank you, Dave. Hi, is Susan around? Yep. Thanks. Hello, this is Susan. Hi, Susan. It's Rick. How are you? Oh, you know, I was just looking up the number. I was going to give you a call. So here's the thing. So uh, our coworker Jane, who mm -hmm. works down here on this floor, who is home with the pink eye. Yes. Um, how do I put this? So yesterday when we were sitting in your office all compulsively trying not to scratch our eyes, right. you then revealed something I didn't know, which is that someone else we all know had pink eye and came to work all last week. Uh, apparently so. Uh, um, should we not identify who that is? I would say we should not identify who it is, but uh, believe me, when I sent out the email this morning, you know, yeah. I, I was sending it with the... You know, you saw the the line that said, "Listen, if your eyes itch, stay home." Yeah, seriously. So, so we were all sitting in Susan's office yesterday, and so we were talking about Jane down here who has the pink eye. And then Susan says, "Well, you know, there was somebody else who works up here that had pink eye last week and chose to come to work every day." And uh, by the way, I did not know that until this uh, current uh, uh, case of pink eye was revealed. I see. So, so but I will tell you this: uh, if this makes you feel any better, I have just returned from um, wiping down everything within my site. Uh, with Lysol, um, you know, those uh, those wipes, I, I, including the handrails, every doorknob in the building, yeah. <laughs> uh, the in and out thing that you push to get in and out the door and the bathroom. Because then you just started thinking Thank about... You, Susan. You're welcome. You, you, start, you start to think about every single uh, surface and thing in the building that everybody has to touch. Well, remember yesterday, every time I came up those stairs, I, uh, you could hear me yelling, God, why am I holding on to the handrail? <laughs> you, know, you know, if we give Aaron $20, he'll lick that handrail. Oh, please. All right. So that... it has been wiped and um, hopefully sanitized, and I'm washing my hands about every 10 to 15 minutes. Yeah. Well, we it's just got to get it done for me to wash my hands. I was just going to say, I think everybody here is feeling a good washing coming on. Yeah, and, right. I, and I know the minute we start talking about it, my eyes Oh, uh, now I'm just yeah, now I'm just covered in all kinds know, of weird I'm tingly sensations. All right, yeah. thank you. Okay. Bye. You know what? Is there a pink eye prevention unit that can come over here and do something? I know we've got to not talk about this. I before. think the only key is to burn down the building, really, Yay. at this point, and it's the only way. Or at a third floor. <laughs> that was a weird response. That what? was a weird what? response. What do you mean, yay? 
Well, I, I just want to start all over again and get rid of all these diseases. Don't don't start saying things on the radio like you want to start all over again. You start saying you want to start over again, somebody will appear to make that come right. true. Tim. You know what, Rick? I actually I take that back. Let's change the subject, and I actually want to bring Richie in here. I need to, I need to talk to. Is him this about anything that itches? No. Okay. Well, because he might itch. Just, I don't think it's his eye, though. <laughs> hey now. All right, Richie, if you can join us here in the studio, that'd be. When I say it'd be fantastic, I guess it's all relative. Welcome out of the Rick Emerson Show. Uh, our intrepid PA, Richie Bristol, joining us. Now, hi, Richie. Hello. How are you? Good. Hi. How's, how are your eyes doing? Uh, they don't itch. Yeah. I mean, you think about it. Well, there's what? Between down the hall where Jane works, there's one, two, uh, two doors this hallway, two doors that hallway. There is a unisex bathroom. Oh, God. No, she uses the lady room. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay. Are you sure about that? Yeah, I was but sure. what if the lady room is occupied, Sarah? Or what if she needs extra privacy? And, you know, in that unisex bathroom, there's the paper towels. There's the, the soap the thing that you got to press. Because uh, I think that bathroom still has the pressy soap thing. Mm-hmm. So. so, Richie, I wanted to bring you in here. Uh-oh. Because I don't appreciate... A, being insinuated that you're lying to me. You know, I don't care. I don't, I'm not even going to protect your lady because you're telling everybody that you lied to me even though you oh, didn't Oh, by the way, me. so we should... Oh, yeah, so this is... We should catch up on this a little bit. So yesterday, so there was this whole business about a woman with whom Richie had spent some sort of intimate time uh, last week, and you said that the woman for reasons that I think we all understand immediately, uh, didn't want it to be made public, no public knowledge. But Sarah sort of drilled the woman's identity out of you. I mean, and I don't know who it was. I still don't. But Sarah went back uh, and apparently just cornered you in the room and said that she just kind of got the woman's name out of you finally. And I respect Richie, and I respect him to a point where, um, where I didn't think that you'd be going around telling everybody... Throw the dog a bone. Sometimes you got to toss the dog a bone so she'll bite. <laughs> I will protect you, and I will, like, let you get laid as much as you want. But you can sit there and, like, call me out and say that you're lying to me to well, everybody. It's not very respectful. Well, I told one person that because no, he told, was going to bug you. You told Bobby. You told Aaron. You told Scott. You told a lot of people who have emailed me and said uh, that they're wait. all saying that you said that you lied wait, to so me. Wait, so let's back up. So just so everybody kind of knows what we're talking about. So yesterday, I only heard the conversation with Bob with uh, Fat Boy that... I heard him kind of collar you in the stairwell and be like, "Dude, dog, you got to tell me what's up. Who is it?" And you're just, and and the leverage that Fat Boy was trying to use to get the name out of you is that well, Sarah knows. Why can't I know? That was kind of Fat Boy's and attack. See, and I would totally respect Richie for that, but instead he said. And, and so his response was, and so instead you make me look like the fool, saying uh, telling everybody that you lied to Rich, me. Richie's response to Fat Boy was, like, "Well, I'm not going to I'm not going to tell you the name." And Fat Boy's like, "Well, you already told Sarah. Tell me." And Richie says. Well, I didn't tell Sarah the truth. I lied to her because you got to give the dog a bone sometimes to keep from getting bit. <laughs> and, honey, that's not the way to get on my good yeah. side. Yeah. <laughs> so now the question is... I love you, is... but I'm sorry. You're, you... But you have to also realize that... So if it's not the right person, then I can just say their name, right? So now here's, so now here's the question. Let me just ask you this. So when you told Sarah the name of the person, was that a lie or... When you told Fat Boy that you'd thrown Sarah off the trail by giving her a fake name, no, throwing, was no, not that Sarah, a lie? The dog, the dog, come with the dog. Yeah. <laughs> oh no! So that's, I was thinking of Muppet. So yeah. that's so that's the question here is really to whom were you lying, Sarah? When you Fat gave, Boy, I didn't want him. Wanted him to. Ah, uh, all right. Are you happy now, Sarah? So you have the yeah. real name? Because uh, I love Richie and it hurt my feelings. That but he, I was trying to protect you. I didn't want him because he was. 
on me pretty hard. Well, you need to tell me when people are going to tell me. I told you this morning. To throw the dog a bone. I you didn't know I to... said that. You know things come out of my mouth and I regret them later. That is like this whole, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> like everything in Everything that comes woman. out of my mouth. Yeah. Okay. Well, I'm still in the dark if that makes you feel any better. Great. <laughs> All right. And I still am, too. Thanks, Richie. All right. All right, there you I'm go. I'm not even involved. <laughs> All right. Um, well, we'll break here in just a second. So, anyway, right, so in, in summation, Sarah still knows who Richie slept with, and everything is covered in pink eye. Bam! Um, I don't know that we have time to really do anything else here, um, except to say here's an email from the guy about that Richie subject where he says, Rick, it's not that you don't want Richie and Sarah to have a special bond that you and Richie don't have. It's that you don't want anyone to bond with Sarah, fearing that the bond might be greater than the bond you have with Sarah. Because <laughs> you and Sarah are either secretly dating or are secretly siblings. Either way, yuck. All right, thank you. Thanks so much. That's totally it. I remember how you treated me when I was on Alternative Mornings with Greg. I choose not to remember that time at all. <laughs> I don't really remember. That's a time that I choose to overlook. Uh, and it's true. Well, I think after you work with somebody for so long, I don't want to share you with anybody. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. Uh, um, that sounded really creepy. Yeah. That really I, did. I under- <laughs> but, Tim, do you want to share us with anybody? No. I understand exactly what you meant. It yeah. doesn't sound creepy no, to me. No, I, I do mean that. Yeah. No. Uh, <laughs> I'm comfortable in here, and I don't want anyone interrupting it. You know, because, it, it, let's see, and finally we've got this. Uh, this just says, please tell me if Tim remembers Touche Turtle. Yes. All right. And there you dumb go. dumb. Thank you. Question answered. Uh, all right. We'll take a break. We'll come back after this. Lisa Desjardins around the corner. Steve Kastenbaum. Amanda Moyer. Top five songs from Sarah's year, uh, seventh grade year. Are you picking your eye right now? No. Yeah. No. I saw that. Oh, God, no. Yeah. Right. No. You know, she was probably in here licking every one of the buttons on the control board, just so you know. Dan Savage style. Oh, Jane would never do that. Uh-huh. Poor Jane. Okay. Back after this. Just keep telling yourself it's an eyelash. It is an eyelash. Uh-huh. Why? Hello, it's the Rick Emerson Radio Program. It's 503-733-2970. All right. <clears throat> I now have in my hand uh, a list of all the things that these Lysol wipes will kill. Let's see. Wait, where did it go? Maybe not. I thought this was the. Uh, I thought this was the uh, the canister that listed everything that it'll destroy. Wait. It kills influenza. Maybe nothing else. Maybe I'm thinking of the Lysol spray. I think if you look Does on the back. Ba- pink eye. I don't really know. I mean, would it is pink eye is not the actual name for it though, right? Isn't there another I, name for it? Isn't pink eye sort of a colloquialism? Like Clubfoot. But in there some I mean but the Clubfoot's not the real name of whatever that illness is. I don't even know what Clubfoot is. We have gone over this on the air. Before. I know, I'm not saying I know this is one of those things we probably have discussed. I'm just saying there's only so much room in my brain. I can't remember every disease and ailment known to man. For the love of God, will you get off my back? Uh so oh I think it's the you gotta quit touching that thing or it's I'm never not, gonna get better. No, it's yeah. Now what okay. Yeah, exactly. Move forward. No. Okay. Come on. No. Come on. No. Come on. No. Can I say that there's something you won't tell everybody? <laughs> yes. Okay, so Sarah injured herself last night but won't discuss it on the air and doesn't want to talk about it. I don't want to talk about it. You, I, you, that's our rule. I know. I'm I told just you saying. before the show, not for air. I know. Am I discussing it? Yes. I'm not. <laughs> I'm just saying I'm just saying you injured yourself last night and it's not a thing you want to talk about. Is that a fair point? Can I say that? 
Yes. Okay, there you go. Just a silly thing. Um, so I, I guess, oh, here we go. Kills, uh, this thing kills, kills salmonella, kills influenza. But I think I'm thinking of the Lysol spray. If you look on back, do we have Lysol spray in here somewhere? We really uh, ought to. Too. If you look on the back of the Lysol spray, I think it actually does list everything that you can use uh, Lysol out of. Like everything it will kill. Like douching? <laughs> no. I don't, well, maybe. Remember, I don't really. Remember, you sent me that thing. About Where meeting... Lysol was originally a douche. I swear. Seriously. Uh, I don't, that doesn't sound like a thing I would have sent you because I don't think I know that. Maybe it was Storm. <laughs> that really does sound like a thing Storm would send you. Lysol douche ad hey, from March 1948. All right. Well, in any event, it's 503. Women use Lysol as a birth control device. Like now or then? In 1948. Well, that doesn't even make any sense. How would Lysol even function? Is it. We have to be, let's tread very carefully here. Um, how would that even work? Like Lysol spray? All right, it says spraying Lysol up the m makes it a bacteria poor <laughs> container. All sets up the stronger surviving organisms multiply and cause problems and worse than odor. Makes Ew. it uh, what we might call a hostile environment. Yes. All right. Okay. Well, in any event. So Susan uh, Reynolds, during the last break, took these uh, Lysol disinfecting wipes. And she went and she started wiping down every communal surface she could possibly find uh, here in the building. She started with the handrail uh, that goes down the, you know, the, the stairwell. Um, she was doing the doorknobs or whatever. And you know what she realized and what immediately struck me as true is that th that handrail feels so much better now that she's wiped it down with these Lysol. I'm not trying to plug for Lysol handy wipes, but she used that she realized the difference was so profound, like before the wipe and after the wipe, that probably no one has ever cleaned those. Oh, that's so great. And this building's been here since, I think, 1962. I mean, I think we're in a 46-year-old building. I don't think, I mean, there's like 40, four and a half decades of, uh, of, of sort of aggregated DJ dreck all over that handrail. So, By uh, the way, pink eye is conjunctivitis. You know, and is it just like? And it doesn't sound, but that doesn't sound like it should be pink eye conjunctivitis. But is it just? Is it just like the flu in your eye? That's how somebody described it yesterday, which sounded like the worst thing ever, by the way. So it's like it's like I have the flu in my eyes, and I don't know why that strikes me as so unbelievably horrifying. Really the person Jane, who who was having to go home, that's how she was describing it. Jane's like, hey Susan, and because she didn't know it was pink eye at that point, uh, when Jane came up to Susan's office, she's like, hey, I'm gonna have to blow. Uh, uh, and I'm, I'm not feeling so well. And Susan said, well, what is what is the nature of your discomfort? She goes, I don't know. It's just like I've got the flu in my eyes. And I think Susan's like, okay, get out. You have to leave now. Uh, and then later they found out it was pink eye. Poor girl, too, because... Oh, and let me also say this. Oh, and then this is Lisa Desjardins. We'll get to her in just one moment. Here's the other thing. We were in the kitchen just now. And in the kitchen... So the soap dispenser in the kitchen is not motion activated. The, the soap dispenser in the kitchen, and really when you think about it, a lot of your germs, it's easy, to, it's easy to pin all the blame on the bathroom, but a lot of your germs, I would imagine, happen in the kitchen too because you've got uh, eating utensil and shared implements and things that have been going into and out of your mouth and get, get crap in the refrigerator. You drop something on the floor, you pick it up, and then you've got the soap dispenser over the sink, which you have to press, which also uh, leads to this follow-up question, which will be the last thing I do before we talk to Lisa Desjardins. Those motion-activated soap dispensers in the bathroom, here's the frustrating and flummoxing thing about those. When the batteries run out, there's no backup. You know, there's, there's no alternative method. The soap is just locked in there, uh, as though it were inside one of uh, Al Capone's sarcophagi. Uh, there's, just, there's no way to get the soap out of there if the batteries have gone dead over a long weekend or something. 
seems like there ought to be some sort of alternative method for getting the soap out of there. I'm done. Let's welcome now to the Rick Emerson Show. From the Hill, CNN Radio correspondent to the stars, Lisa Desjardins. Hello there. Hi, guys. How are you? Good. What's going on? Um... Well, there's there's pink eye, there's pink eye in the building. Yes, apparently, I know. Yeah. I'm I'm actually sitting a little farther away from the microphone than I usually would. I uh, and I sort of found out about it. Um, I found out about it yesterday, and uh, and then apparently it, it, somebody who works is we we're in a two story building here, uh, as you know, and so somebody who works downstairs with us is home with pink eye, and then it apparently. The story, as we are now understanding it, and apparently the apparently the patient zero for CBS Portland Pink Eye is feeling a little touchy about this, so to speak. So there's some dispute about where the pink eye came from, but I guess the theory is is that it came from somebody who uh, works not too far from my office upstairs. So that's good. Oh. So you know, right? And I'm going on vacation uh, Wednesday night, so you know, just in time for me to be completely useless on the beaches of San Diego. <laughs> Perfect. Well, I mean, really, but I don't understand. I didn't know that pink eye affected your entire person. I thought it just well, means because, that your eyeball is useless. But, I mean, well, let's just be, I mean, Stevie Wonder notwithstanding, if your eyeballs are useless, what are you really going to get done? I mean, really, what are you going to be accomplishing if your eyes aren't working? <laughs> In addition to which, Lisa, your eyes are the window to your soul. So, <laughs> I suppose so. I, uh, That's true. Anyway, so it's given me all these, uh, these like, weird flashbacks to these, like, because I, I, I was kind of a sickly kid, and so I just had all these strange ailments uh, uh, growing up and so forth. And I, oh, so that's just, great. Me too. Yeah, <laughs> so I'm just, so I'm, you know, I felt like one of those kids on Little House on the Prairie that was going to be stuck into an orphanage right before it burns down. <laughs> Yeah, in any event. So, uh, how are you today? I'm good. I'm good. Right. I'm, let me let me yeah. ask you this: on a scale of one to ten, one being not at all, and ten being absolutely to the teeth, how sick of you were talking about gas prices? I'm pretty sick of it. I mean, I think to me, but this is because I'm such a policy wonk. I'm I'm sick of talking about the price that we have now. I mean, it's it's terrible, and you know, I'm happy to get the updates on the national average. Okay, that gives me a sense of where my you know little gas station is. But what I'm really tired of is that no one. I'm going to get got to kick me off the stump here. I'm no one's talking about the long-term solutions. The fact is, they really can't change gas prices in the short term. There's nothing that our lawmakers can do. There may be something on the commodity markets that could happen, but that's a whole different thing. So I'm tired of politicians saying we're going to fix gas prices. We're going to deal. I know. I feel your pain, and I know that they may, but it doesn't matter. I, I want people to really get around to the business of figuring out a long-term solution, because that's really the only thing that our lawmakers can do, and it's also one of the things they're not doing. Well, here's the thing. is, it's, it's An email uh, came in yesterday about this. I'm a guy who really nailed it. He was talking about this sort of, as you, as you pointed out, the, the discussion of what the price of gas is today. And he noted that that is really just fundamentally the most useless type of news. I mean, it's just, and I don't mean that, that as a slight on your organization or anybody's organization in particular, but it's like, my wife, of all people, was kind of getting after me for not talking about the, the price of gas market. She's like, you know, people really care about that. And I made the point that it's really like spending a lot of time talking about, well, it sure is humid today. Uh, <laughs> I mean, unless unless the next headline is going to be government gets off its, its asset and does something about gas, but gas prices are fixed. Unless that's the headline, there's really nothing to say. <laughs> right. I mean, what is he going to do? Well, remember when it was cold? Yep, it's cold again today. How about that cold? I better put on a coat. I don't know. I'm thinking about a sweater. Right. Well, you know, and it's funny because gas is actually a very strange product in that it is one of the, it has probably the most visible price 
of anything that we buy. You know, you just drive by. And yeah, you, so you don't really need to be alerted to the but, fact that it's $4. You kind of know that just by existing. Right, and you actually, it's its a rare thing that you don't have to drive from one store to another to compare prices. You just drive by one corner, go to the next corner, you see, you can just see which price is more. So at the risk of kind of uncorking a whole thing that we won't have time for here. Okay. I, I raised a question yesterday about gas prices, oil prices, and our involvement in the Middle East. And... The, the, uh, there was really not time to give it the, the proper discussion, and frankly, I'm a moron, so I didn't really know how to pursue the conversation, except to say this. In Portland, which is very, you know, we're a big, the big town full of bleeding hearts and hippies here, and so you see a lot of those bumper stickers that are variations on the phrase, like, no blood for oil, and let's, you know, let, you know, I don't, I don't, you know, let's, uh, you know, another oil-driven war, blah, 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 and it's, there's this sort of meme that goes around, just this sort of conventional wisdom that the United States just invades places, like in this case, Iraq, uh, just because of oil. And my, my whole question was, well, that's clearly not true, because if we were there for the oil, we'd just, you know, take it. And the price of gas wouldn't be 4 bucks because oil companies notwithstanding, that didn't help the American economy at all. The American economy, unless you are an oil company, is not helped uh, by gas being $4 a gallon. Gas being $4 a gallon hurts almost everybody, up to and including, I would say, the government. And so... This whole notion that we're somehow just, uh, that we go to war just to take oil doesn't seem to really hold any water when you kind of look at it. You know, now I can play Michael Corleone from, uh, as we were saying yesterday, where, I, you know, I think people who make that argument uh, are looking behind the scenes, not necessarily at uh, how it benefits the American consumer, but how uh, getting Saddam Hussein out of power in Iraq benefited American oil companies. And of course, we've got two oil men in power in right. the United States. So you know, so there, so you know, it's reasonable to raise those questions. Of course, a lot of those people with those theory, you know, others would say, well, that surely, surely didn't work out. But the fact remains, when they were planning this war, obviously, people at the Pentagon and at the White House made a number of mistakes, right? <laughs> Misca- miscalculated a few things, and. You know, if you follow that theory, you would argue that, well, they, they miscalculated how much uh, privatizing of Iraqi oil would ha- happen, how quickly it would happen, and how much it would help um, oil companies. Now, you know, obviously I have no idea what the truth is, but, but, that, but that's that argument. It certainly has uh, – the war in Iraq has, has certainly cost America when it comes to the price of oil, and it's cost the world because it, it has just increased this idea of instability in the oil market, and because of that – uh, the commodity market's just gone up and up and up. And, and, in fact, I think investors have used that in part as an excuse to drive up the price of oil. They're like, well, you don't know. Iraq might blow up tomorrow. You know, let's, let's raise the price. So That was a strange voice that I just had. But, <laughs> I wasn't going to point it out. I was going to let that go by without mention, but I'm glad you decided to address it. It was really <laughs> disturbing to me. Um, but, you know, this is my question to you. Are you bringing this up because you know that we just had a major vote on oil legislation here in the Senate? No, I'm bringing it up because, and again, please don't, no, I mean no personal offense by this. I'm bringing it up because, A, my wife and I had this long, I won't say it's an argument, but there's a sort of very heated discussion about whether or not I ought to be discussing gas more often. And actually, we've had our share of sort of crank call, not crank callers, but call it, sort of these curmudgeons who've called up and sort of demanding that I that I use the power of the of the program to change America's oil policy. And, you know, and, and we were all, you know, we always on the show make the same remark. I mean, I know that it's sort of a meta slash ironic thing because here I am actually talking about it. But we always make the point that it's not, just like weather is not a topic, the price of something like gas, which is fundamentally 
unchangeable from my vantage point anyway, it is not a topic. And yet you pick up the CNN prep sheet, for example, today, and like two-thirds of the people at CNN are sort of on the ticket to talk about gas prices. I know. It's hilarious. You know, you could make the argument that the more that, that the more you talk about the weather, the more people react to it and the more people change their, you know, day-to-day, hour-to-hour decisions based on the weather. If they're constantly talking about the weather, you'd argue that you're factoring that in into everything you do. And so what food you get and where you go and what you're wearing, you're constantly thinking about the weather. And you could argue that the more you talk about specific gas prices, the more Americans will factor that into their decisions and the more that that would potentially, you would hope, help help the problem. Well, but other than that, I don't know. And that is clearly a lie, though. And when people say, when people say I mean, really. No, when, I think that's true. No, I think in the aggregate where, you know, I'm getting ready to start calling around maybe in about two weeks. I want to check and see if there are fewer speeding tickets because I know that drivers on my route home when I drive, I know that they're driving more slowly. Look at that. You work on the sidebar story. Well done. See? Uh, But, you know, and I I really, I think that people really do, when you look at the massive economy, I think, (laughs) I think that was that voice again, that I I think it does matter. And, but I have to sneak in what happened. The Senate was voting on a Democratic bill that would raise taxes on oil companies. And it was specifically, and uh, a bunch of tax breaks that they've been receiving for years. And it would also put a 25% tax on their windfall profits, profits that are above some kind of vague level that Democrats really didn't address. But essentially, Democrats say, we would tax their massive profits and we would use that money for renewable energy. Republicans blocked that bill. They argued that uh, by doing that, by taxing oil company profits and taking away the tax breaks, you would just be raising the price on oil and you would be uh, constraining supply. You would have less supply in America. Well, as we as we get ready to wrap this okay. up, let me let me just let me ask you this. Uh, apropos of nothing, given the sort of strange banshee like voice that emanated from you twice within the last 90 seconds. Stand. Can you, Lisa Desjardins, do any impressions? Um, you know, I usually can. My voice is not at its best. Uh, I usually can, yeah. So, uh, so we won't hold you to it today. What? Give us an impression that you, in your, when you are in full voice, that you are able uh, to do. I can try it. It's probably not going to be. You, know, you can do it next week if you want. Uh, you know, Catherine Hepburn, bizarrely. Really? Yes. Is that just where you kind of, I mean. Little Catherine Hepburn, darling. Little Catherine Hepburn. <laughs> we'll, have you, we'll have you roll it out full voice next week. But, you know, and then I do the Irish brogue, of course, being an Irish last myself, but All that's right. about it. I'll let, your, I'll let your throat recover, and then okay. we'll, uh, we'll, we'll, we'll dive head on into it at some point. <laughs> Excellent. All right. Enjoy the rest of your day, Lisa. And you too. Thank you. There you go. Lisa Desjardins, ladies and gentlemen. Fantastic. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Radio Program. Hello. Hey, Rick, are you sure it's actually pink eye and not uh, patient zero for the zombie outbreak all uh, South Park and uh, Max Brooks? You know, can I tell you this, that I tried really hard to find that South Park pink eye clip uh, this morning, and I, just could, it was, I was looking on the YouTube, and all I could find on the net were, because I kept searching, like, South Park, pink eye, zombie, you know, whatever, and all I could find on YouTube were guys that for some reason had taken the South Park pink eye episode and just remixed it with, like, a Rob Zombie song underneath. Like, I, I couldn't find any actual uh, the, the clips from the show. It was all, like, homemade music videos. So, well, too bad. All right. Thank you, sir. All right, bye. All right. There you go. I should have. I could have brought. I could have come up with a, with a World War Z clip, though. Could have done that. Good reference, sir. Well done. All right. Well, in any event. It's uh, 503-733-2970, so in just a few moments, theoretically speaking, uh, we'll be joined by CNN Radio correspondent uh, Steve Kastenbaum. Seems like I had some small bit of business that I wanted to do here. 
before that, or do I? You got a lot of papers over there. Do I? Do I? Um, hey, Richie Bristol, will you do me a huge favor? Uh, will you uh, get in contact with Peter Carlin? And I don't know if he got my email or not, but it would be uh, it'd be you probably don't want to do it on that line because Steve Castlebaum's going to be calling in that line. There you go, thanks. <laughs> um, just to see, see now my eyes just itch. Now I just man, there's Steve. Now I just can't stop my eyes from itching. Ah, for the love of all right. I've and you know, my hands five times. And you know what makes this the, the, the damn misery of this whole thing is that it is, of course, allergy season, and so it's quite. Uh, it's like natural. It's quite expected that your eyes would have a little bit of itchiness or they'd be watering just a little bit right now because of allergies. But, of course, you know, but that, but that's like, uh, you know, it's just it's just like exactly the wrong time. It's just a horrible confluence of events to allow you to, uh, you know, to allow you to think that the, that the worst is happening. Mm-hmm. All right. Let's uh, I think this is Steve. What? And now it's and now the line is gone. Well, you know. If he doesn't call back in like 60 seconds, I'm going to say we just uh, we just take a break here. Uh, hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello. Hey, I have a foolproof way for you to find stuff uh, or find clips from South Park. Yes. If you actually go to southparkstudios.com, you can watch the full episodes, and they have a really great search engine on there. Now, is that is that true going all the way back? I thought that was just the last couple of seasons. Is that the whole the whole run of the show? Oh, no, I've been addicted to this site for probably like three weeks now, and I've been watching from season one. Bad. I don't think they have the first you know, Jesus versus Santa, yeah, but they've the got... Spirit of Christmas. Yeah, but they've got the full episodes from when it hit Comedy Central. Oh, yeah, definitely. Excellent. I am yep. all over that. Thank you so much. No problem. All right, appreciate it. All right, this, ladies and gentlemen, is CNN Radio correspondent Steve Kastenbaum. Hello, sir. How are you today? All right, doing good. I'm, so, here, I'm sorry. I just gave myself a... Just gave myself a paper cut. Ah. Just as you just as you said, doing good at that moment, I was distracted by the uh, by the slow motion, tiny, small screen horror film of a piece of paper cutting my flesh. All right, brother. Um, so let me ask you this, and I swear to God, this is going to be the last time uh, in, in, until the rapture uh, that we talk about anything like this. But I mean, what? What what kind of stones does Saudi Arabia have, if I am reading this correctly, to call an international conference to address, quote, the unjustified price of crude oil? I mean, it, it, correct me if I'm wrong, is not Saudi Arabia part of the, uh, but are they part of like the gang of nine or whatever that sort of gets together and fixes those prices in the first place? Yeah, but you know what they were saying, that uh, the price that you're seeing right now, the, the, the futures, which is what keeps going up, uh, they're saying it's just not justified. You know, when you look at how much oil they and the other OPEC nations are putting out, and then you look at uh, what it's going for on the open market, they're they're saying it's, something's wrong there. It's just not justified, the price you're getting right now. And we know this. It's all these speculators on Wall Street. You know, the credit crunch hit. The banks were no longer uh, as good an investment as they had been, and everybody was looking for a place where they could put their money, where they could make a better return quickly and they started investing in oil futures, and that just sort of drove up the prices day after day after day. And eventually the bubble's going to burst. You know, it's just a matter of time before something happens to cause the oil bubble to burst, too. I mean, it won't go back to where it was, but it'll definitely come down from where it is today. You know, it's funny. We were talking to Lisa a while back, and she was she had this whole theory that, you know, the same thing that we're kind of hearing in the past few weeks, is that people really are changing their habits because of the price of gas and whatever. And she has this uh, this whole sidebar she's working on where she's going to, uh, like, calculate the number of speeding tickets issued to see if either, A, fewer people are driving, or, B, when people do drive, they're driving at a lower rate of speed and more responsibly. And I was just thinking that, 
I don't really think it's true because I'll give you the comparison. Here's here's what it reminds me of. It's like the idea um, that people who constantly tell themselves they're going to diet uh, because they found out that like some food that they eat has a huge number of calories in it, and that really holds until you decide to get hungry and then you look in the you know the, the cupboard and there's a big thing of Kraft macaroni and you decide to eat it anyway because it's there. So I think the idea that you're going to change your driving habits. I think that really works until you get up, you know, to go to the office the next day and you realize your only alternative is to sit on a bus filled with cretins. And then it's just so much easier to go get back in your Escalade. You know what I mean? You know, it's funny because uh, CNN's been doing all these feature-type TV pieces on uh, different alternative methods of of transportation and whatnot. And this one guy spent um, $3,000 on one of these cars. I don't know what it is. It's sort of like a bicycle rig. It literally looks like... You know, the way Fred Flintstone transports himself. You know, the pushing your feet down or you're running along in the car, you know. Uh, except this one was a pedal system. It had four seats. So it was sort of, you know, a raid in, in the way that a car would be. But it looked more like maybe like a small miniature dune buggy. But you and the pa- person in the passenger seat, you pedal. <laughs> and you go around and the guy's like, yeah, I do about a, a 100 miles a week in this thing with my son. Well, it's like they have that smart car, I think, the BMW is right. I don't know if it's still a concept car, if it's like an actual uh, automobile. But that, that BMW thing, that's, it looks like a little clown car. Or is it like, like a Shriners car? And I, yeah. I was just going to say, you, you sort of wonder, like, and, and it's also like 55 grand. And you wonder, it, like, in what possible world you could drive that and really, I mean, I know it says BMW on the front. And it costs fifty-five grand, but there's just nowhere you can take that and not have women laugh at you. I mean, that's just the reality. I don't know about the BMW version, but I've been seeing that smart car uh, on the road a lot lately. Like, I drove down to D.C. recently, and I saw more than one on the highway, and I've been seeing them around uh, New York. In fact, I live in this neighborhood that's very, very forward-thinking, and, you know, lots of different types of cooperatives are in the neighborhood. So in my neighborhood, you know, for the longest time, the, uh, what is it, the, the Toyota uh, hybrid is, is, it had been seen everywhere. Now we're starting to see those small little smart cars, and they can park in the smallest of spaces. So it's really, you know, advantageous in that way here in New York. But when I look at the gas mileage on that thing, then that thing is like the size, half the size of like a normal small car. And it, so I would expect it to get, half, you know, twice the, the amount of miles per gallon of gas. But it doesn't. It's something like in, in the 40s, you know. Right, and so it just—it seems like uh, it is a point of diminishing returns. That exactly. That you know. See, this is why you are just better at this job than I am. I'm just. It, it, I mean, it does. It does seem like it ought to. I mean, for what you're giving up, seems like you ought to be getting a whole lot more than you are. So. You really should. All right, here we go. I'm on the website now. Smart car. I got to find the miles per gallon on this thing because when I looked at it, it's like, well, that's not that much better. Than, uh, than, than another, you know, small car, like getting like a, a Honda a Civic, you know? And especially for so much of the, like, the really extreme gas-saving cars, you end up just looking like a pinhead driving the whole thing around. Exactly. So, if you're, you're going to suffer in, in a car... <laughs> if I'm going to sacrifice my dignity, I want to be getting like 75 miles to the gallon. Yeah, right. Exactly. Otherwise, I'll just get a Vespa. You know? <laughs> exactly. That seems two people also. All right, here's, here's the thing you can be doing. Now, now Lisa is working on the sidebar article about... Um, whether um, uh, uh, speeding uh, tickets are going to be going uh, down, the number of speeding tickets issued. You and a listener suggested this. You want to be looking at whether uh, bicycle and motorcycle fatalities go up because more people are going to be taking two-wheeled modes of transportation, sir. Oh, geez. You know what we have here in New York? We have uh, Transportation Alternatives is the nonprofit that uh, sort of advocates for um, bicyclists around the city. And we have a really cool 
new Department of Transportation commissioner who's putting in bike lanes everywhere now. But one of the things Transportation Alternative does is they try to educate drivers, motorists, you know, about road safety oh, and dude. for bicyclists. Every corner that a bicyclist has died on, they they affix like they chain it up to a pole, uh, an old bicycle, and they paint it pure they, white. They actually do. I think that started that actually started in Portland, I believe. Oh, did um, it really? Yeah, they do that here in Portland. And last, uh, I don't know, about six seven months ago, we had a rash of of really horrific bike car collisions here. And uh, yeah, so that's uh, Portland is by some estimates the most bike friendly city in America. Uh, it is. But it's uh, but they really yeah they've they've done that here. I mean, people here really take it seriously too. I mean, there's a there is a that is a thing of great concern to the community. Tim has by the way found that the gas mileage on the smart cars 33 and 41 respectively. Yeah, I mean that car is is. It starts at eleven thousand five hundred ninety bucks, so it yeah. is pretty cheap. But it only seats two. Yeah. Okay. And it's and it's only what is it? Not even eight feet long from end to end. I forgot what it is. I I think that's it, that's not actually it's even lo- shorter it is, than uh, that. It is eight point eight feet long, five feet wide. Yeah. Okay. That's literally like half the size of a of a of a Toyota Tercel or something like that. I mean, really, you're going to have to just put on a Fez and drive around in a parade with that thing. That's really the only way it's going to work. you got to stuff a bunch of clowns in there. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Steve, as always, it's a pleasure. Are you on tomorrow, my friend? Yeah, I oh. am. Hopefully I'll, I won't be so so darn cranky. No, no, no. no. This is the place for those uh, for those emotions, my friend. This is a this is a, think of this as a uh, think of this as the, just sort of the, the radio version of your Jungian therapy. Just come <laughs> here and be as cranky as you like, my friend. I'm, wait, I'm still waiting to find out if one of your listeners uh, has followed through on my re- request yesterday with Big Brown. I don't even remember what your request was. All I remember is you sitting there it, it, it seemingly one step away from smashing the phone into the desk repeatedly. <laughs> I wanted uh, one of your listeners to come up with a really uh, inventive uh, entry in Dickipedia.com or okay. uh, Dickipedia.org. I'll, uh, I'll look it up. Who knows? It may be there. Okay. Right. Thank you, sir. There you go. Steve Kastenbaum, ladies and gentlemen. I think he really right, likes fantastic. to say that word. <laughs> I think he likes, I think he's, I don't know, there's, a, there's some sort of a, a big streak of anger in Steve lately. All right. That's what I find, like, with most people who are really calm and happy on the outside, on the inside, there's just All like, comes to the service eventually. He's not very resourceful. Hello, Tim Riley. How are you? I'm fine. Look at how small that car is. See, I mean, I mean, so, not... so it only gets 33 miles to a gallon? And you have to drive that. It, it, I mean, it's a sneaker with the top cut off. <laughs> I'm looking. And his wheels... I mean, it doesn't even look like a real car. It looks like what my friend Martin. I see him around, though. My friend Martin would have called that a joke car. It doesn't. Uh, it, I mean, it, it does look like a novel. You know what it looks like? It looks like a slightly. And this is what the smart car. A Dodge car. Yes. A Dodge. Who who makes that? Is that made by one of the big auto companies? I believe it's a BMW. A BMW or a Mercedes. Well, Brad came by with one that was a BMW, so maybe that's the one I'm thinking of. I mean, you know, I'm, I'm sure it runs well and blah 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 blah, but. It does look like just a step up from those electric cars uh, that, like, rich kids would occasionally drive around. You know what I mean? It's like one of those, you know, where it's sort of like sort of like one of the toy pedal cars, but it, like, had a battery in it. And there was a time in the late 70s, early 80s, those were really popular for, you know, uh, like you'd, you'd see, uh, like in the movie The Toy, I think Scott Schwartz was driving one of those around. It was, like a, it was like a toy car for kids, but it was much bigger than, like, a toy pedal car. That's kind of what that looks like. I mean, it's miniature. There's a dealership here. We should have them on the air. I mean, 33 and 41. Not bad. I mean, it, I suppose, but it does. No, but... it's hard. I remember back, was it was in the 80s, they had cars that, I mean, standardly went over 40 miles well, per gallon. That was going to be my question. And see, 
Have you learned of this, by the way, the, the peculiar, uh, like the peculiar taffy monster that is this topic? Because the more we come on the air and say that there's nothing interesting about gas and that we don't want to talk about gas, the more we find ourselves talking about gas. Yes. Glad my wife isn't here to listen to this. So my that was going to be my other question, and maybe this is. And you, Sarah said we should break, but do, should we just should we just roll roll through it? Do we have commercials to play? Well, we we, just, yeah, we can merge the breaks, but we should probably uh, give our sponsorship for the news hour, Tim. You're so right. And we should probably do the sounder for the news hour and perhaps the legal ID. On KCMD Portland? It's time for the Rick Emerson Noon News Hour from AM 970 Solid State Radio. And now, from the Ministry of Truth, this is Tim Riley. The New Town News is brought to you by Leif's Auto Collision Centers and Leif's.com. Call today, find out what Leif's can do for you. That's Leif's Auto Collision Center. All right, so here's my question. And you you just hit it. You just mentioned something that I was going to talk about with Steve, but we were just, uh, we were so, uh, you know, so overtime with him. I've been meaning to ask this for the longest time. I mean, even 30 years ago, when cars were just made out of iron, it seems like they were all getting 50 miles to the gallon. Mm-hmm. So what has happened? Because cars, aren't cars made of more and more of fiberglass and plastic? And, I mean, there's less metal going into yeah. cars these days. Like the Saturn? That's all, uh, that's all fiberglass. I mean, it's basically just made out of packing peanuts. Mm-hmm. And so why is it now that cars are only getting, like you consider, no, 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 it's really, really great. This car gets 36 miles to the gallon. Whereas cars that were made 40 years ago were much heavier and yet the engines were much more efficient. What does that mean, Tim? What's it all about, Tim? I think we're being lied to. But, but you know, uh, after those big gas shortages in the 70s, when people bought all those small Japanese cars, the Japanese cars got bigger to be like American cars. Is that true? Yeah. But once they, once they suckered everybody in, all of a sudden the Japanese cars, that these little tiny things... Got bigger. I guess that's true. They uh, because uh, this is uh, sort of uh, this would have been what like late seventies, like pre K car, mm-hmm. because the K car was sort of their uh, was sort of the American attempt to kind of to compete with that. It was a box. Yeah, uh, and then you're right though that even some of the uh, you know like uh, I remember like the Datsun B210, uh, but over time. But that was German, though. That wasn't Japanese, right? That was a German car. Isn't the Datsun German? Is it no, Datsun, Datsun it became Nissan. I thought Datsun became, well, whatever. Listen to this. A 78 Datsun B210 got 50 on the highway, 37 in the city. See, and I would say that... Uh, the Nissan's got bigger, too. I would say that my, if I remember the Datsun B210 correctly, I would say that while it's... A person had to duck to get inside. It is somewhat smaller than my Focus, but I would say it's not that much smaller. Mm-hmm. Uh, I would say that my Focus and a B210 are a, roughly the same size, and whatever size differential, I can't, we've just become click and clack, whatever size different, whatever size differential there is in the car, I would say is more than made up for by the fact that the Focus is largely fiberglass. That is to say, the B210 was a lot of metal, it was a lot of steel, and hey, that's not a, that's, <laughs> don't drive like my brother, that's not a bad clack impression I was doing right there, or that's, click. That's, I'm not sure the difference between the two. I don't know who's who's Tappet Brothers. Click and clack. You know, I saw them on TV the other day. We shouldn't be talking about other radio hosts, but I I saw them on TV the other day. They don't look anything like I thought they would. They look nothing like I pictured them. Ah. I know that's a that's a radio cliche, but I thought they would be different. Uh, so then you had the '81 Rabbit Diesel four speed four door hatchback got around fifty. Rabbit. That got fifty three miles to a gallon. 
The Rabbit was essentially, and the Rabbit was essentially like a Golf. If you remember the Volkswagen Golf. It replaced the Volkswagen Bug. Is that true? Okay, yeah. well, that makes sense then. Uh, uh, and then there was like the Golf and the Scirocco, which were all kind of the same thing anyway. Those all just sort of looked the same. So that, so anyway, so that, that's my point, is that the B210 was roughly the same size as my Focus, and yeah. I would say somewhat smaller, yet it was balanced out by the fact that the B210 was all metal, and the Focus is largely fiberglass. So why... Was the B210 getting like 50 miles to the gallon, uh-huh. and then my Focus is getting like 35-something? Yeah. I mean, it just doesn't make any sense. It's confusing. Maybe the engine is bigger. Maybe, but I don't think that's true. I thought the sizes of engines had gone down just because of this. Like, I thought, you know, like, like, you don't go buy something that's like a V8, right? A V8. Isn't there a time in America when the V8 was like standard V8, V6? Yeah. That was the oh, standard the engine. Four barrel. Yeah, and I the mean Camaros it was. Had, had a 350 engine. And I mean it's, a, and I don't think that's the case anymore. I think it is that the engines are now smaller. Mm-hmm. So, engines being smaller, combined with the fact that cars are made of lighter and lighter materials. We ought to be matching or exceeding what gas mileage was in the 70s, and yet we're not. Well, what happened was, once the Japanese really took the line share of the passenger car market, the U.S. manufacturers decided that they were going to go with these minivans and these SUVs and really get out of the passenger car business. So confusing. Uh, all right, let's see here. Um, hi, you're on the Rick. Maybe somebody here. Maybe one of these fine listeners will have the answer. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Oh, hi, Rick. What's up? I'm not that bright of a guy, but... Well, good. This call's smarter than us. Starting off on the right foot. Yeah, you you can't. I mean, we set the bar so low that you can't help but pass it, sir. Most of what you've talked about the last half an hour is because of government regulations. We because of. Uh, Are you on a speakerphone? I am. Let me switch. Yeah, thank yeah. you. Sorry. Um, it's because of emission regulations since the '70s that cars don't get as good gas mileage. Now, what does that mean when they – I don't understand what that means. I mean, I'm not they saying it's not true, it, but I don't understand they it. They had to put equipment on our cars, like the catalytic converter and other things, to keep emissions down, but we get less power for the same amount of gas. So we need more gas to get the same amount of power that now, we used to get. Is that because it somehow can't burn the gas completely? Uh, I mean, I know that sounds daft, but I don't, I don't know, what, I don't know how else to to explain it. I mean, it, it, is that because well, that, that that much detail? I'm not privy to. All right, see. So no, then I'm, we have this other, this other angle. All right, thank you, my uh, friend. Yeah, Carl's the, the only thing that's going to get you 50 miles a gallon these days is a little uh, scooter. Let's all get scooters. All right, thank you, my friend. I appreciate it. That's Mitch. Uh, here's Tim Riley. So the old Geo Metro XFI got 58 miles to a gallon on the highway. 58? But you can't build a car like that today due to safety legislation. Now, apparently, all the safety stuff, whatever that is that they had to put in, made the cars weigh more. But I don't even understand what that would mean, the safety stuff. I mean, now you need seatbelts in your airbag. I mean, what else is there? I know. So, I mean, even if... So even I'm not if, a car expert, so... No, this is like the blind leading the blinder. Um, this is like the legally blind leading the actually blind. Because even if you take into account crumple zones, which is that sort of, you know, where you have to make the car longer so that, like... So, the, so there's like four or five feet of car to smash before they start smashing your ribcage. Then you have the Ford Festiva, which got more than the uh, Festiva. Do they still make that? I don't think so. See, but I can't believe that, that the, the, the safety regulations, and I'm not trying to knock the last caller, but I think it's easy, and I think a lot of times people go, well, you know, Rick, this is because of 
environmentalists. Exactly, because it's because it, right, it's like one step away from blaming it on the spotted owl. I mean, that's exactly what that is. Well, Rick, you know why this happened? Because gays got married. I mean, it just doesn't. It's one of those things you can say that I think because people fundamentally distrust environmentalists, you can sort of pass that off as being true. But I wonder if maybe that's not a little bit of just. Uh, you know, like a, a too easy of an answer. Just like the okay, like the safety regulation, that doesn't make any sense to me either. Because my question then is, the Ford Festiva is not that old. They were still making the Festiva in the late '80s, early '90s, weren't they? And I can't believe that safety regulations were somehow that much. I mean, I think the big safety regulation jump was in the '70s because that's when they started, like where everybody had to have a seatbelt and like you couldn't just make the uh, dashboard out of big pointy pieces of metal. Uh, I mean, you couldn't be driving, driving like that Mad Men, like the Don Draper mobile. You had to actually have a, a safe car. But I can't imagine that the safety regulations have changed that much, like in the last decade or so. Just uh, this whole thing is completely, uh, completely puzzling. Uh, hi, you're on the Rick Emerson show. Hello. Hey, Rick. Um, I was actually just calling about the uh, Geo Metro. I was, you know, almost 60 miles a gallon. And then you're talking the smart car now. Oops. Way worse gas mileage. I mean, the the Geo Metro, and I remember being in high school, so that would have been maybe like eighty nine ninety when the Geo Metro was out, and they were and them in the early nineties. And then they had the Geo Storm, and the Geo Storm was the other was the sort of was the sort of variant on that car, and the Geo Storm got great gas mileage as well. So my question is, here's a Chevy Chevette, forty three on the highway, thirty one city. So what happened? It's ugly. But to like the so why did they stop selling? For example, the Geo. Wait, the Geo company actually went out of business though, didn't they? Geo isn't Geo well, gone? That, that was an import, and, wasn't it? Well, it was the import line carried by Chevy, and they actually started calling them just Chevys. Right. And my wife used to have a Geo Prism, which is actually made by Toyota. Right. And then they just started calling it the Chevy Prism. So, so like the Metro and the Storm, they just quit making those cars, right? Yes. And so my question is. Did they quit making those for some other ancillary business reason, or is it because they were somehow regulated out of existence? Because I can't believe that there's a car that was getting like 55 miles a gallon that they would just say, well, there's no demand for this. Nobody wants a car that gets 55 miles to the gallon. It is pretty ridiculous, isn't it? All right. Well, i got to um, figure out why. You know that, like, the gas mileage, how it, you get worse gas miles because of the environmental regulations and all that stuff? Well, that's what they say, it, yes. It puts a greater load on your engine. Just like when you turn your air conditioner on, you get worse gas mileage. Okay, but I don't know why that is either. Because your engine has to drive the car, and it has to push the compressor in order to run the air conditioner. All right, it's, then. It's, it's the same thing as, like, adding a 1,000 pounds to your car. Let me ask you this. Couldn't I just get, like, uh, here's a question I've always had about this. Couldn't if, if when like if people talk about like your air conditioner, you turn it on and like your car it starts to like couldn't I just get like a secondary battery for that? Well, These yeah, are the things I wonder about. Then your alternator would have to work harder. Well, I suppose you have to charge it. I wish I'd had more schooling. All right, thank you. <laughs> hey, Richie's asking if we want to interview somebody from Hannah Montana. Who would I possibly interview from Hannah Montana that I would know unless it was Miley Cyrus? Richard, who it would have to be Miley Cyrus? Yeah, I mean, I think that's the only way Rick Emerson will accept a Hannah Montana-based interview. That's a, Rick Emerson's not going to talk. Is there anybody else? Is it Billy Ray Cyrus? Who is it from? Who is it from the Hannah Montana show? I don't even think Richie's in the room. I'm talking to the screen, and there's no answer. I believe talk I'm just screen. speaking to myself. She was on. She was on C squared. What is C squared, Richie? What is that? C squared. Hello? 
Can you hear me in the back? And by the back, I mean Richie's call screening room. She was on Psy Squad and the Young and the Wrestles. What is Young Wrestles? Young and the Restless? The Young and Do you mean to type the Young and the Restless? He's typing the Young Wrestles. The Young <laughs> the Young The Young and the Wrestles sounds like a porn film. I'm going to be in the Young Wrestles. Well, if we can't have Miley Ray Cyrus, then we want her to have Miley Ray Cyrus. What is her, uh, what is her, hold on, let me just, can you just come into the studio for a second? Hello, Richie Bristol. All right, who is it from the Hannah Montana show that is that we're being offered an interview with? Uh, Tracy Van Horn, she plays Tracy Van Horn, Romy Dimes, Romy Dimes, Dames, Romy Dames. What's her name? What? Tracy Hold West? on, let me get to get more on the mic. Uh, Rami Dames. That's her real name? Yeah, she's on the. R O M I. She's hot. How old is she? 19, I checked before okay. I said that. All right, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> I looked at her and said, well, well done, Rich. Dames. Dames? Yeah, like Dames. Romy Dames? D A M E. And she is on Hannah Montana now? Yes. Hugely successful Disney series. Uh, what else? She was on The Young and the Restless? Yeah, and she's also on Psy Squad. What is Psy Squad? I don't know. I think it's a bunch of kids that are talking about There are too many items about this. It's yeah. like Mythbusters of Disney. She's cute. She looks a little crazy. Really? Oh, she's Yeah. Funny. Hold on. Let me look her up right now. Rami Dames. And how old she is was she? born in Tokyo, Japan. Ooh, Asian. Oh, she is. Wow. Ooh. Hey, look at that. She's a, her mom's a Jewish like American a, English just, teacher. I don't like, like a serial killer. Look at that. Let's get that on the show, Richie. Oh. <laughs> get its phone number. Send us more of that. Is that her? I don't, maybe. Maybe a different picture than what I saw. But uh, no, this is the, the I, okay, I'm trying to figure out. Maybe she needs better headshots. Hi, Rami. Hi, Hi Rami. Hi. Romy, R-O-M-I, James. D-A-T. I think it's Romy. Romy. Um, Say hello to Hi, Romy. I, uh, oh, they, here we go. Okay, that, that must be, this is, that must be her. That doesn't do her justice. Well, that's just a really tight shot of her face. I can't, uh, I, I can't see the rest of her. I demand, I demand that somebody show me the, all of these photographs are tiny and they're taken from like a mile away. Look at that. I've seen all of this photo. Small. She is Asian. taken. Buy for a dollar photo booth. <laughs> Seriously, a photo's taken from across the city. She's probably only like four eleven from Japan. This is like a this is like a this is like a Google Maps photo. I mean, it's like taken as the car drives drives down the opposite end of the street. No, no, no. Down there is Rami Davis. Okay, is that her? It looks very closely like her. I can't tell if the, I don't even know what she looks like. I'm totally reliant on you to tell me if this is her. There are no big pictures. She uh, uh she's nineteen. Yeah. Okay. Uh, then let me describe for you, Sarah. If this was the same person you're looking at, she is um, two arms, two legs. I would say. I would say uh, she has long black hair. I would say Asian features. Uh, I would say well endowed, crazy eyes. She totally has crazy eyes. I'm looking at her right now. Crazy eyes, big boobs. Yeah. Okay. There you go. Well. Yeah. No, I don't That's enough to... for me. Are you serious? Yeah. Like, would she come into the studio? Is this a phoner? Oh, it's a phoner. Oh, that's not worth it. You can't look at her on the phone. Why would you want to talk to her? Maybe I could get her on the webcam. <laughs> you can't hug a phone call, Richie. All right. I've never done that one before. No, a webcam that. interview. Okay. She only does phoner. Phoner. <laughs> All right. Okay. Uh, probably not. I mean, no. Some other time. Yeah, let me know if she's coming to town, though. We'll uh, we'll have her in the studio. Come back when... What uh, about Bravo's hit series, Workout? Any inners? Never heard of it. I don't know what that... Bravo's hit... How can it be a hit, hit series? A hit series on Bravo is kind of a relative term. I mean, because that's, you know... Okay, never mind then. Bravo's hit series workout. What is that? Uh, it's a reality series about 
fat people. I don't know. <laughs> a reality series about fat people. That narrows it down. How do they ever find anybody yeah. to be on this show? Oregonian. Really, Rich? Nobody in California. Is it like a... Is it like a <laughs> seriously, get me somebody from Kansas. Is it like a celebrity fit club kind of a thing? Yeah, supposedly expert... Oh, Rodney King is supposed to go on one of those shows pretty soon. Who is Robbie King? Rodney King. Rodney... Oh, no, no, no. That's no, that's celebrity rehab. That actually brings Different me... show. That brings me to this, uh, Richie. Oh, can we get Rodney King on the show, Richie? Who's that? You know Rodney King. Was he the one that got beat up in the LA? The guy that got beat yeah. by the LAPD? The oh, okay, yeah, I got okay. it right. So, but here, okay, now, but listen to this. This, uh... Today's show seems very structureless, um, so, but I was just going to read this to you. I was going to read this about celebrity rehab. So there's somebody from celebrity rehab. I, I'm, I'm telling you right now, um, I forget who was on that list of people uh, that I was willing to put a bounty on if you can get them on the show. I have somebody to add to that list, though. Uh, so I'm still working on it. All right. So here we go. So the, the VH1 is once again partnered with Dr. Drew Pinsky for a second season of the hit reality series Celebrity Rehab at Dr. Drew. Uh, and we had Dr. Drew on the show, uh, to talk about the first season. Um, but so here we go. These are the, uh, these are the celebrities joining Dr. Drew in rehab for this season. By the way, Jeff Conway's making, bringing it back for a second season. He was actually still alive. Uh, <laughs> apparently. What, what reason does he have to continue to live? I think, I think this is it. I think that they prom promised him like a cameo in season two. I mean, and here's my question about Jeff Conway. Jeff Conway, who Sarah won't know, but who uh, people of my generation and Tim's generation know from Taxi. Taxi. And then he was on Celebrity Rehab, and that, he was the guy, it was so great, he was the guy in the first episode of the last Celebrity Rehab where he's in the limousine literally holding his bottle of, of whiskey as though it were a baby. Holding just, it was like, I forget what, it was like a bottle of Jack Daniels, but he's like holding, cradling it as though it were a child. And he's, you love Jeff, don't you? Jeff loves you too. Never leave Jeff. I mean, he was just so creepy. So I guess... I mean, he really needs to be dropped off in Skid Row and, and be told to have a good life. <laughs> so my question is, what was Jeff Conway doing between Taxi and Celebrity Rehab? That's a blank of like 25 years. I saw him in an infomercial for something. Really? Was it like a, one of those Time Life music collections? You two can be a millionaire for something. <laughs> Jeff loves whiskey. Whiskey love Jeff? Good. Uh, so we have a second season of Celebrity Rehab. Joining Dr. Drew will be Jeff Conway as he checks, yes, back into rehab as Celebrity Rehab 2, back in rehab. Uh, after a series of back surgery, and you'll never guess this, Tim, Jeff Conway had some, quote, setbacks and subsequent reliance on medication. Um, apparently he did some direct to uh, video videos. Really? Yeah. Uh, where they have the pornographic variety. That's, That's usually the last say. stop on the shame train. There seems to be a big hole somewhere in his career. <laughs> and, and in his septum. Oh, he did take some uh, courses in uh, Scientology. Oh, really? Yeah. Did that work out for him? Apparently not. <laughs> okay. Um, they ought to have a show called Scientology Rehab. Well, he's not that old. He was born in 19... The well, whole show... Scientology would never let that happen. That's so crazy. Maybe how about a religious rehab? It's religious rehab where you just have a show where people are trying to get trying to like leave some uh, you know trying to leave some religion. He works at least once a year and he has three films in the works. Really? Dark Games, Elf Academy, Elf Academy, and Sinjin Smith. I want to roll in Elf Academy. Can you imagine me? Well, right now I'm working on my uh, my new movie, uh, Elf Academy. Yeah. And it's something I'm really proud of. Is Elf Academy? Do you suppose Elf Academy is? I love the show. 
Do you suppose Elf Academy, is that, do you suppose, an academy for Elf, like uh, Lord of the Rings Elves, or is that for, like, Christmas Elves? It says, Santa, the kids of the world are facing a blow-up. The CIA and CPS are facing a shortage of green cadet... More. <laughs> Buffering. Buffering. Of uh, green cadet elves to fill vital positions to oversee that Christmas is safe and delivered. And are now faced with letting more, uh, mortals save Christmas and the world's economy. Haven't we already heard this this story told in like 15 other movies? Yes. But not with Jeff Conway, I suppose. Not no. with a special twist that only he can provide. <laughs> he plays the FBI director. Of course he does. It also co-stars Parker Posey. Remember when Parker Posey was like the epitome of cool? Remember when she was in every Sundance movie that came out? How is it that she's in Elf Academy with Jeff Conway? What did Parker Posey do wrong? Co-starring Fairly Tull as a Dusty the Diner Waitress. God. All right. Yeah. Uh, Anyway. Florence as uh, God's Mother. Please tell me Louise Fletcher's in it. I'm looking here. All right. Louise Fletcher should be in everything. Um... Well, in any event, so um, so second season of Celebrity Rehab. So in addition to Jeff Conway returning for his second big year, joining Dr. Drew in Celebrity Rehab are, some of these people I don't know, Sean Stewart. Anyone? Sean Stewart? No. Uh, from Sons of Hollywood. I don't know what that is. Is that a band? Sean Stewart from Sons of Hollywood. Never heard. Uh, Amber Smith. Uh, she's a model. Rodney King. Rodney King. Wow. Didn't that guy win like a jillion dollars from Los Angeles? Yeah, but he was a scumbag. Yeah. Well, you know, everybody did make the prediction uh, when he won that money that he would die bankrupt. Yep. So on his way to fulfilling everybody's expectations. I mean, he's, he's kind of like a, a Ned McMahon type of person. He yeah. had it all. In it. <laughs> and it's really true. So do we want to interview with him? Um, with Rodney King? Yeah. Yeah. Wow. I don't, I don't even know how to answer that. Do I want to interview Rodney King? I guess not. Well, but why not? I mean, he is a living slice of American history. You I mean, have he really Charlie is. Charlie Murphy. That is true. If not, maybe Court and Fatboy. I have interviewed Steven Seagal. I mean, I've interviewed Tina. I've interviewed people who are so much further down and the Joshua importance. Jackson. And Joshua Jackson. People are so much, so much further down the important oh, ladder. Oh, do not talk about Joshua Jackson like that. Um, oh boy, you know he's in some uh, some terrible new film. It's. Um, oh, I saw it. The horror movie. No, no, no. It's not even that. That one was so terrible. Uh, he's in some some other oh, tedious. Sh- I saw him in Shutter. He's in some other tedious new political uh, movie that's coming out. Um, he's so pretty and smart, and he keeps making the poorest movie choices. Rodney King. Anyway, uh, Nikki McGibbon from American Idol, Tawny Katane, Tawny Katane. I'm going to circle right now the people uh, with whom I would love to have an interview. All right. I'm going to circle Rodney King. Yay. Don't know that be, uh, we'd be able to get him. He might be you know, busy with his many uh, flourishing businesses. Uh, Tawny Katane. Tawny Katane, of course, was the one. In the video. Dancing on a car. Yeah. Gary Busey. Oh, we've got Ooh. to talk to Gary Busey. Gary Busey, who is 13 years sober. We'll I be, don't believe that. We'll, yeah, we'll, right. be, we'll be joining the cast. I don't believe that. We'll be joining the cast to lend wisdom and share his experiences on the recovery process. The thing is, I really don't want to talk to Gary Busey. I'm going to scratch that out. Never. I really don't. I mean, I can't. It would, don't you think Gary Busey would be like, it'd be like interviewing Steven Seagal again? Because mm-hmm. he's just so nutty. Hi, Gary. Hey, man. How's it going? I'm just, I'm a man on a flaming pie. You can you talk know? to him about, um, you know, stint on Entourage. Yeah, but I don't really care. I don't get, but I don't think he'd answer the questions. I think Gary Busey is like so, and I don't think it's a put-on. I think he's like Far gone. off on his own thing, and I don't think I'd be able, I think it would be frustrating. Hey, Gary Busey, what was it like to be in the Buddy Holly story? 
I don't know, man, it's like we're all one big donut and like we're rolling around inside a pinwheel until the curtain comes down and then we're all in a drain pipe going out. Speckle, speckle, speckle. I mean, it just be like, what? Okay. Um, okay, but the big news here uh, for oh, me and news. me and my people. <laughs> Bigger than Tony Katane. Bigger than Tony Katane. Steven Adler, who's the drummer for Guns N' Roses. Right there until Axel kicked him out. So there you go. He's the original drummer for Guns N' Roses. Uh, you could be on a reality show for just doing anything. Seriously. Well, you know what Steven Adler did? Steven Adler did so much cocaine that he gave himself a stroke. He had a cocaine-induced stroke and is now paralyzed on half his body. So At least he doesn't have pink eye. No, that's true. <laughs> that's true. So uh, I would say in terms of desirability, I would say Steven Adler is number one, followed by Rodney King. Followed by Tawny Katane. What a weird sentence that is. So, Richie Bristol, go, there with, we go. go with God. All right. All right. Anybody else to offer us while you're here? Uh, somebody that I don't even know. Let me see. Who else do we have? Micah McCain. Micah McCain. How oh, she's from the Bravo hit series uh, Workout. Oh, by the way, you know what she also did? She worked for Sunsilk on one of the worst. I, I mean, you talk about an awkward tagline. Sunsilk. They were the ones that had that tagline, because isn't that a hair product? It's like a, sun silk is like a it's like a conditioner, right? Yeah. yeah I say yeah. looking at Sarah, the only girl <laughs> oh, in the room. I guess so. I, 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 think, I think sun silk is like, a, it's like some sort of hair product. They're the ones that had that tagline. I'm quoting now, and we all remember seeing these commercials. They're the ones that had the tagline, get therapy. Oh, yeah. Which oh, someone didn't. Someone didn't think that through or say it out loud before they rolled that out. Oh, I'm just looking at her face. She looks annoying. Uh, and yeah, Romy Dames. No, I'll pass. Uh, but yeah, if you could, those at the celebrity rehab folks, though, that's what I'm talking about. That's the good stuff right there, Richard. Okay. Because right. they, they'll be post rehab now, right? Because it's already filmed. I don't know. I don't know what the turnaround time is on those. I don't know if it's like it used to be. I mean, Tim would probably know that. I mean, it used to be that they would finish a whole TV series. Have it in the can. Everybody yeah. goes on vacation to play. But I think the turnaround time is so fast now, they might actually still be filming this season while it's starting to air. Yes. Uh-oh. God, do you remember that stint when we were obsessed with Joe Millionaire? Yeah, I was thinking about that the other day. Yeah, actually. me too. I found the tape because I, I had taped the final episode Another of it. And I had actually... What? Hold on. Susan Reynolds is in the... Susan? Susan's giving me the... You'll forgive the pun. You'll give me the, the stink eye. Susan Reynolds in the I hallway. Do not you have were kind of glaring at me. No, I was not I the stink eye. I was waiting to get the wipes back. Oh God, what happened? No, somebody else is uh, coming down <gasps> with oh, the and um, so I'm Someone not going to say names. No, upstairs, and so I'm going to be wiping down the fax machine, the copy machine, and everything else that oh, anybody God. might be touching. Male or female? Female. Oh, good. Okay. I mean, not That's for you. Girl. Well, no, because I'm just you. You know, you think about the bathroom. Oh yeah. And, and even though you I, wash your hands, it's those. The the you know the men's bathroom upstairs. Here's the thing. Well, the we, ladies' room is always filthier than men's room. It's true. Oh, it's disgusting. Anywhere. Anywhere. Yeah. Women yeah. are just are are pigs. But also, <laughs> <laughs> and he's looking right at me when he says it, which I resent. I, I no, didn't I mean was, it that way. Okay. Gonna, thank you. But I was going to say this: the men's bathroom upstairs. Uh, there's two doors. The first one is a push door. The yeah. second door is a doorknob. Oh. And here's the thing: on the way out of the men's bathroom upstairs, both of those doors have handles and they have to be pulled in meaning if you which it should be set up the other way yeah. because you should be able to go in with dirty hands you do your business you wash your hands and you leave well, but the here, same is the, the men's room down here yeah i mean even I if you grab it with a paper towel then yes, put it in. yes i i do that but, too but see in the men's room upstairs you can wash your hands when you're done with everything 
And unless you want to take a paper towel all the way back to your desk and throw it away there, which I guess you could, you, could. you yeah. have you have to touch the doorknob on the way out because they're not a uh, hand. You can't just push them. You have to turn the knob. Well, as I recall, we've had certain people around here who have openly admitted that they don't wash their hands. Who? Who? I, well, here we go. I uh, all no, I know is seriously, I who, who, who would say that. Well, I remember somebody had said that, and I'm not naming names, but I'm just saying I don't shake hands or touch anybody around here. But they, hold on. Somebody admitted they don't wash their hands when they're using the bathroom? Ew. Was it Richie? I don't know if it was Richie. No, I don't think it was Richie. Richie washes his hands. Let's hope. You know, somebody admitted that to you? In what context? Uh, gosh, and I thought it was... So, Susan, by the way, I like Thai food and racquetball, and I never wash my hands. No, it was... Some, I can't remember who it was exactly, but they were admitting things that we're getting to know each other. Uh, it, it, getting to know each other. You know, new employees and Before stuff. you hire me, you should know that I never wash my hands after no, urinating. I'm, I'm trying to remember to who it was. You. Anyway, <laughs> yeah, well, you know, can I just say something else? Maybe yeah. we should position a street teamer outside each of these restaurants with the canister. That That's a great idea. Get Greg Nibbler. Tell Nibbler he's on bathroom duty. Um, uh, so the, until this terrible thing has lapsed. Uh, it, you know, and here's another thing. Can I just tell you this? So we just, you know, and Tim and I have made a special note of this, that we just work with savages. This building is just full of savages. And I went into the unisex bathroom the other day, mm-hmm. and I'm not going to be graphic except to say this. There are some people who clearly never made it past, like, five years old. Yeah. Things you, you're supposed to learn in kindergarten. Use the unisex bathroom, and let me, be, let, let me just put it this way. There's no stand-up toilet in there. Okay. Okay, you know uh-huh. what I mean? Yes. Yes, I do. And there are certain things that you learn when you're four or five, how to behave, how to tidy up when you're done so that another person comes in and the bathroom is sort of reset to zero for them. There's certain somebody we work with, maybe more than one somebody, has never learned some of those lessons. I mean, there's people here who really need to be sent back to short pants school <laughs> before they can be allowed to work with adults. And that's one of the reasons why we don't have any weekend shows, well, except for one good one here. Yes. But I mean, we got rid of all the troublemakers. We thought. I mean, it's, well, they clearly there needs to, be, needs to be another purge, Susan, <laughs> Stalin style. Well, don't look at me. I, I'm just merely trying to you get... You just work here. I'm trying to get through the day. No, we appreciate it. God, I just want to put on a hazmat suit. Okay, yeah. i got one more day before I go on vacation. Oh. i got today oh, and tomorrow. God. Oh. That is like the kiss of death. I know. That's like da- the guy on the cop show. Two days yeah. to retire. Yeah. yeah. This is my girl back home. I can't wait to see her and hold yeah. my brand new... Ba- <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Right. yeah. He choked continuously all the way to San Diego. Uh, his yeah. seatmate said his bowels liquefied while on the plane. They were unable to land and ask for help. <laughs> Jesus. Uh, I know Dave Zinn was offering me some of his um, his gloves. God. You know. Can I just do the show Does from home Dave tomorrow? Dave Zinn sell gloves? Yeah, well, he's, no, he's a glove freak. Um, I bought him a big thing of them remember, for his birthday. Oh, yeah. Remember because it for remember it was for my for my birthday. Did you bring us all the the cleaning supplies? Uh, yeah? That was well, it was for Dave. Was, was it for Dave's birthday? Because didn't don't you share a birthday? That's right. Dave and I have the same birthday, and so and you we, brought a bunch of tidying products. We had the lovely cake. Yeah. You had the bacon, uh, you know, shrouded yeah. studio, and he got the cleaning supplies. Yeah. All right. The last well, thing we want here today is food being passed around. Oh That's God, no, no. All right. Everyone to your corners. All right. Thank you, Susan. Yeah. Thank you, Susan. For so I am taking do. my wipes, and I'm going upstairs to wipe down uh Seriously, anything. do whatever you need to do to my office. Touch anything you need to touch. Clean anything you feel. I mean, if you don't, that's fine, too. But I'm saying if <laughs> and if you feel like going around just doing all the doorknobs, I give you carte blanche to clean whatever you think needs to be cleaned. I have already cleaned a lot of doorknobs, but I, I'm not stopping there. If you if you need to nuke the whole site from orbit, you do, you go ahead. It's the only okay. way to be sure. All right. Thank you. Susan fine. Reynolds. Jesus, it's 1235. 
All right. We'll be back after this. Tim, do you have news for us today? I suppose. <laughs> or just more Jeff. like pink eye and gas prices. And <laughs> Jeff Conway. Pink eye, gas prices, and Jeff Conway. It's the Rick Emerson radio program. We'll be back after this. Don't go anywhere. The message is Mars needs women. We interrupt this record to bring you a special bulletin. The reports of a flying saucer hovering over the city have been confirmed. Why, hello, it's the Rick Emerson Radio Program. 503-733-2970. This is your personal savior, Tim Riley. Hey! Hey! Let's hear what's going on in the news, shall we? Let's start that new news hour, Tim. All right. Well, here we go. Uh, let me get organized here. All right. I think I'm about ready. Enough about Jeff Conaway and the rest of these people. Well. Would you like me to fill time, Tim? No, I'm ready to go here. Okay. Uh, let's talk about uh, gasoline. <laughs> <laughs> just for something different. That's just for Sarah. Yes. So the Senate Republicans today have blocked a measure imposing windfall profit taxes on the biggest U.S. oil companies. On this vote, the yeas are 51, the nays are 43, and the motion is not agreed to. So the Democrats wanted to roll back $17 billion in oil company tax breaks. Well, we can't do that. Can we just start saying yes or no in Congress? Can we quit saying a or nay or knee or whatever the hell it is? What do they say? I and nay? Nay. You know, this is America, and it's 2008. Quit talking like you're at a tea party. Jesus, let's just start saying yes or no. Yes or no. Here's Tim Riley. All right. Uh, Barack Obama is joining the workforce of the average American today. He began his Change That Works For You tour this morning in the cardiology unit of Barnes Jewish Hospital in St. Louis. Why, he's hitting everyone at once here. Uh, the Illinois senator assisted nurses... And uh, he talked to one nurse uh, making her morning round. Today I had a new co-worker, Senator Obama. <laughs> Together we completed our assessments, we dispensed our meds, and prepared our patients for testing. Just some of the small things we nurses do in a day that make a big difference in the lives of our patients. I know Senator Obama wants to be president, but I have to say he wasn't half bad at patient care. There you go. <laughs> Why did we just play that? <laughs> I mean, I'm not... Questioning why you picked it. It was funny, but. The sick, the infirmed, why the was... ill, the Jewish. <laughs> all these groups of people at once. <laughs> really? Is that how his. Is Pretty that, much. Is that how his campaign, his advance man phrased it? That's Look, uh, I need some elderly folks, the infirmed, the sick, the contagious, and Jews. So he put Get all these, me Jews. He put all these keywords into Google and it spit out the Barnes Jewish Hospital in St. Louis. Oh, I see. So, okay, so that's sort of like you. That's like a. It's in like America, a. St. Louis. So it's like when you're on Expedia yeah. and you're checking off need beachfront plus rental car, stay three nights, pets, no smoking, click, and then it spits back the name of a hotel. Yes. That's he checked all those things and it gave him that hospital. Uh, so here he is emptying bed pants and colostomy bags and doing what nurses do. And I mean, can we just... Uh, we only have a few more months of this. But though. that's what I was just going to say. I mean, look, I like political pandering as much as the next person. Don't get me wrong. But... Let me ask you this, just yeah. as you, from your vantage point, don't you think at this point, like we, five we, more months ago? But I mean, but, like but, but 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 that's my point is, don't you think we could just sit out the next five months? And by we, I mean him. Like, what what is he doing there? What what's the point? Why is he He's off emptying bedpans at a hospital? 
Everybody has made up their mind. Every, there's, there are no undecideds. Who do you know that is undecided between Barack Obama and John McCain? No one. There are no undecideds. There were undecideds, I would say, between Hillary and Obama. There were undecideds between McCain and Giuliani. There are no undecideds between Barack Obama and John McCain. Who, what liberal do you know that's going to go, well, I don't know. I uh, recently I've been leaning towards McCain for no reason. No one. And you don't know a single, uh, I mean, you don't know a single conservative. There's not one uh, person out there listening going, you know, Lars is right about everything. But I saw Obama emptying bedpan. And so, uh, and I think that's really made the difference for me. Don't you think that we could take five months off? Everybody could rest up. We'll all go on vacation. Everybody have a Mai Tai. Just sit, do a whole lot of nothing. And then, you know what? We'll meet back in November. We'll have the vote. Everything will be over. We don't need five more months of this. And I would argue that Obama doesn't need. You know what? Obama should just say, "Screw it! I'm just going to sit at home for the next five months." I don't even think he needs to. Uh, I mean, entertain the fact of debating McCain at no. all ever. No, I think that's. I think Obama at this point could just be like, "Eff it! I'm out." You know, I'll be. I'll be back. I'll be back in November fourth or whatever the hell it is. Uh, and until then, John, you know, knock I'll be home watching Celebrity Rehab. Yeah. Let me know when November rolls around. Knock yourself out. And I think here's what Obama should do. Oh, okay, listen, what a pimp move this would be. Listen to this. Listen to this move. You know what, because he's still a senator, right? Yes. He's, still a, he's not like Citizen Dole where he retired. No. Here's what Obama should do. I'm calling it right. Oh, I'm going I'm to call Lisa on the phone right now and tell her this. I just realized I don't have a number. Uh, so... And also, that would be weird. But here's what Barack Obama should do. He should just block out, like, half, an, like buy half an hour of airtime on all the networks. Like, he should just come on and say, as you know, it's been a long and very bruising primary season. Many people have cast their votes. They have voted for hope and change. I've had blah, 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 Hillary Clinton, blah, 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 say all the things he needs to do. And then he should just say something like, I look forward to Americans making their decision in November and deciding in which direction America will go. In the meantime, I have the people's work to do, and I will be resuming my post as a United States senator, and I look forward to receiving your vote in November. Until then, I will be completing the task the people of Illinois asked me to complete. And then, he, and, and then his website will just show the uh, burning Yule log. Yeah. I mean, maybe just a flag flying. <laughs> <And or> <laughs> Just a picture of a kitten playing with some yarn, um, and then he just go, then he just goes back to work. Then he just goes back to work, and maybe his people still do stuff like his advance team or his you know the, the, the sort of folks working for the campaign. They go out and they sort of do the stuff behind the scenes and the sort of you know the grassroots stuff. But Obama himself, it's not that he doesn't campaign anymore because that would be kind of a That'd be kind of a dick move. But he doesn't. It's not that he says I'm not going to campaign. It's that he positions it as now I have to go back to work and finish the job. The, the people of business. The people of Illinois yeah. do the people's business. Yeah. And then he just leaves McCain out there just floundering around like a trout on a riverbank. Or that he is... could agree. He could agree to a debate and just not show up. <laughs> well, we're going to give him uh, ten more minutes. I. Uh... I'm get a refresh of my coffee over here. Just waiting for Obama to show up. Seriously, I, I, I know that sometimes I think say things just for jest. I think that would be, dude, you want to talk about just looking like you're about 15 feet high. That is the best thing. Talk about the sack. That would be. That's the best thing Obama could possibly do. And just and just the and he never says like I don't even need to run. He never says those words. He doesn't say I don't need to campaign anymore. He just says. I look forward to your vote in November. Until until then, I got the people's business to do. And he lets McCain just go out there and knock himself out. 
and exhaust himself. Meanwhile, Obama's just just back home doing whatever it is he does. That's a great idea. Way to go, Rick Emerson. Here's Tim Riley. So now it's time for uh, John McCain to rant and rave. For the first time, he is saying, like this is the first time, there are clear differences between him and Barack Obama. I'm Will we already. enact the largest single tax increase since the Second World War, as my opponent proposes? Yes. Or will we keep taxes low, low for families and employers? That's a question that will be asked. In what world does he live in where our taxes are low, low? They are low, 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 according to the Republicans. Well, that's the thing, right? I mean, that's the... That's, so, wait, can you play that one more time? Sure. Is this the same world where the economy will rebound? Will we enact the largest single tax increase since the Second World War, as my opponent proposes? Or my will opponent. we keep taxes low, low for families and employers? That's a question that Let's go ask for, for families and employers. Why don't we do a survey? And I don't mean we're going to do a survey. What do you suppose businesses and employers would say right now if we said, are your taxes low? Are they, in fact, too low? That's one of those things where he's saying it, just hoping that by saying it, people will agree. You're, by God, you're right. My taxes are so low, they're almost non-existent. Boy, howdy. I mean, every time I look at the, that, line of my, uh, that line of my paycheck where it's like, here's what you kind of made. Here's what you're taking home. Every time you're just like, oh, for the love, grr, you know, and you just, you just become like angry about it. And, you know, and, and, and more to the point, that's that thing where he says that my opponent jazz that he's saying there. Doesn't you think that makes him sound, as Josiah Bartlett once said, you think that makes him sound a bit dotty, like he can't remember Barack Obama's name? Just say Barack Obama. Saying my op That's like how in the world of radio we're never supposed to say the words Air America. We're not supposed to go, well, further down the dial. Like, we're not ever supposed to talk about other radio stations. Like, I'm not supposed to say Lars Larson. Because I guess the theory is that if I just say the words Lars and Larson, that somebody go, by God. I could have been listening I'll have to, to find a now. I, I could have been listening to Lars this whole time. Damn me! And, and then they'll immediately tune over, uh, you know, to Lars. So, anyway, now I'm going to get a guy emailing me go, "Thanks, I've just tuned over to Lars." Uh, but I know it's old hat, but they haven't got the message yet. That we're we're not back in the 20th century. Jesus, God Almighty! All right. Uh, John McCain is a strong supporter of the war. He was again interrupted by some anti-war hippies. You know, one of the uh, things that Americans are uh, tired of, liberty. one of the things they're tired of is people <laughs> yelling at each other in Babies. America. Have you noticed that? Oh. Uh, put her in her place. Yeah. We're owned. Uh, all right. I'm already tired of it. This email says, Rick, uh, this is from some guy. Uh, some guy says... Rick, 20 million white working class voters outside of Portland think it's a harder, cho a bit harder of a choice to make. I like you, but you sound moronic. Well, fine. I mean, I just don't. Here's the thing. Maybe there's somebody on earth that goes, you know what? I just don't see that much of a difference between Barack Obama and John McCain. They, they seem very, very similar to me. I need finer points made so I can discern between the two. Maybe those people exist. I just never met one. I've never met one. I've never heard. I, I mean. So maybe there's a giant swath of the middle of America who looks at John McCain and Barack Obama as he's exactly the same person. I don't know who those people are, but, you know, I'll take you or your word, sir, that they do exist. Uh, here's Tim Riley. Two Florida teens are reprimanded for posting a video on the YouTube depicting a popular prank. Taco Bell employee Jessica Caponis was working the drive through window and uh, handed the pranksters a large soda. The teens then yelled, fire in the hole, then checked the soda at the poor girl. 
She tells the Today Show that the incident has put her... I'm sorry, I'm perpetuating that. ...never work in a drive-thru again and not be watching myself very carefully to make sure that I'm checking every customer's face, every customer's car, make, model, year, license plate, things like that because of an incident that might occur again. Wait, so let me understand this. She's got to track down the license plate. <laughs> so she's working at the drive-thru. She, the kids come up, order a soda, she hands it to them, and then they immediately throw it right back at her? That's correct, yes. Please tell me, is it on YouTube? Yeah, it is. Oh, can I see it? Okay. You have to go look for it. I know I'm part of the problem right now, but that's funny. Well, she found the video on the YouTube, tracked them down, and turned them into the authorities. Killjoy. The judge ordered the juveniles to write a formal apology to the woman, pay $30, arrested to $30. $30. And perform 100 hours of community service. In addition, they're ordered to make another video on YouTube apologizing. Well, the apology is not accepted by the woman. Whatever. Uh, let me see if I can find that. $30 is the same restitution I got from that drunk bitch who smashed my car. How's that working out? Oh, it's great. I get a $4 check from her once a year. <laughs> uh, justice. All right. Here's uh, Tim Riley. Well, uh, eight in every uh, ten gas purchases are made with credit cards nowadays. So, as the price class, more states are beginning to offer a discount of a nickel or more for cash. Well, not so with the gas station next to my house. As a matter of fact, if I use my... Gas station credit card, they discount me three cents. Well, these fees are based on price, not gallons. So when the price goes up, so do the processing fees. Charlie Rooney owns a shell station and says the fees are making it hard for him to make a profit. And ironically, uh, the higher the price of gas goes, the more people turn to the credit card, which in turn makes higher fees. Nobody's going to feel sorry for a gas station. Do you have this thing from John McCain saying he will veto every single beer? Yeah, I heard that, but I haven't seen it. Let me uh, see if I've got it here. Let's see if I can get this to play. Mm-hmm. All right, this is from uh, CNN. Uh, John McCain issued a promise Tuesday that may cause a bit of unrest with a broad swath of voters. Uh, says he will veto it. I guess this is some sort of, you know, I realize that we all get old, but doesn't John McCain seem a little dotty to you? Yeah. Haven't there been several of these? too old. I mean, would well, he be older than Reagan? Yes. Would he be the oldest so. president ever? Oldest... How old was Reagan when he got elected? He was 60-something. Oh, God, then. John McCain's already like 72, isn't he? Uh huh. So, uh, all right, well, it's, uh, of course, buffering. Oh, wait, here we go. Interesting. Wait, is that you or me? Oh, that's me getting a cut ready here. All right. Uh, well, we'll see if this loads. This is just taking forever. The lightning fast CBS internet connection. Oh, well, um, we can play something else in the meantime. But then it doesn't seem like there's been three or four different slip ups from John McCain in the last couple of weeks where he. He said something that was weird or didn't make any sense or mm -hmm. gave some creepy, like, uh, zombie uh, smile. Um. Okay. Well, that's frustrating. Well, we can give up. Well, okay, well, we'll come back, back to it. Yeah. MSNBC anchor Andrea Mitchell has issued non-year apology following a remark last week in which she referred to southwestern Virginia as redneck. Here she is. Oh, who can disagree? No. Priority list. Interesting images today. Barack Obama, Mark Warner, mm -hmm. in southwest Virginia. This is real redneck, sort of um, bordering on Appalachia country. This is not the northern Virginia, uh, you know, sort of high-tech corridor. And these are voters that he would not logically be, you know, gravitating to. This is the beginning of a pivot. It is. A former colleague. I want to know who complained about this and the why you... The local newspaper, the Bristol Herald Courier, see thing. To correct Mitchell, Bristol doesn't border Appalachia country. It's part of the Appalachian Mountain region. While the region faces 
challenges. Uh-huh. It doesn't deserve to be the butt of jokes. Yes, it does. You know, th- th- that is such a small-town thing. That is such a small-town thing to get angry about. The fact that a newspaper in where? Where is this in? Uh... Buttville or <laughs> Buttville <laughs> well, in ass town USA. The Courier. <laughs> well, I'm sorry, it doesn't deserve to be the butt of jokes. The Sackville Tribune wants you to know. Um, <laughs> Buttville. <laughs> so the Bristol Tribune. That is just such a small town thing to get angry about that they would write a letter to CNN about Andrew Mitchell complaining. That while it's true that we do border the Appalachian country and the Appalachian mountains, it is not bordering the Appalachians per se. We find this to be a false distinction. We take great offense. It's just such a such a small little ass heel thing to get angry about. Buttville. I'm going to Buttville. Oh wait, here we go. So this is McCain saying uh, somehow that he will veto every uh, veto every beer. Uh, let's see what this sounds Starts like. with reclaiming our good name as the party of spending restraint. We've got to reclaim that good name as Republicans. What good name? No one knows. Boy, you know, he blinks as though there's been some pacemaker-like device implanted in his brain that forces him to blink he because otherwise like a he robot. wouldn't. He does. That's exactly no, it. No, he, he turns around and looks at different teleprompter screens is that true yeah that's what the problem if you notice when the camera pulls back there's one on the left and one on the right so he can turn and read at the same time and he's still having problems with that i feel bad for john mccain in a lot of ways because you because you know and i think he knows the deal is that you know you know he should have been the nominee in 2000 i mean really in terms of party politics but then the, you know carl rove just screwed him so badly in south carolina with all of that the, the, the sort of the, the, the dirty campaigning um that he got shafted out of probably, politically speaking, what was his rightful nomination eight years ago. And so, you know, he can't pass on this. Like, I mean, he sort of has to do it, yeah. but it's just his, it's, it's over. He's just too old. Somewhere along the way, too many Republicans in Congress became indistinguishable from the big spending Demo- Democrats that they used to oppose. Casey in Portland. What does that mean? The only power of government that could stop them was the power of the veto. And it was rarely used. If that authority is entrusted to me, I will use the veto as needed. I will veto every single beer, uh, bill with earmarks. <laughs> every single bill that we have come across my desk, I will make them famous. I will veto them. Oh, God. You will know their... Oh, God. He just, did the, he just did the Reagan thing. He just reached into his pocket and brought out a Sharpie, and he's waving it at the crowd. He's waving a black Sharpie angrily. Names. Ugh. I will veto every beer. That was worth the wait. Well done, John McCann. All right, here's Tim Riley. Parade of progress. The company's first bio-toilet has been installed at Mount Rainier. Now they're offering visitors a cleaner and eco-friendly way to do their business. What is a bio-toilet? Well, I'll tell you. Instead of using chemicals, this bio-toilet uses cedar chips to treat your waste. The heat generated during decomposition, it kills any bacteria. Maybe we should get some of these cedar chips in here and put them on the doorknob. And jam them into people's eyes. Uh, Apparently, they, We're going to fill your eyes with cedar chips. I'm they, sorry. There's no other way. They kill, they kill bacteria and waste materials are vaporized. That's a lie. You never are they magical re- cedar chips? It says you never replace the chips. You can add water occasionally, but it does have a rain catch system that will add water to the tank. I- I don't, I don't believe me. what I'm reading. Sarah, do you want your waist treated with cedar chips? 
I sure do. I know you your do. Your waist is going to be vaporized. <laughs> so we're going to vaporize your waist. These magical cedar chips can vaporize my waist. <laughs> I think this is. <laughs> well, how about if a magic genie comes Seriously. Waist... Hello, dum dum. I'm here for your feces. Uh, like, seriously, you're just supposed to. I don't on understand. A pile of cedar chips, and then it's supposed to disappear. I used to have <laughs> okay, cedar chips what, for my hands. What makes this credible is it was invented in Japan, uh, and the inventor came all the way from Japan for the dedication of this toilet. Okay, that does sound like a thing the Japanese would come up with, though. Mm-hmm. It is a gift from the uh, Groundwork Mishima Group. It's a Japanese environmental group that is active on Mount Fuji. We fill whole bathroom with cedar chips. Mount Fuji is sister mountain to Mount Rainier. Were you talking like Tonto just then? <laughs> Rainier is the first in the country to have a bio toilet. All the more reason to be proud. It's priced at seventy thousand dollars. And like many toilets in Japan, this toilet seat is heated. There's too much happening. And the toilet is over odor free. No. So just by sitting on it, uh, your uh, waste doesn't smell anymore. No. <laughs> so truly, your ass wouldn't stink. Right. Um. So there's just too much going on. Let's stop for a second. It looks like a regular toilet. You're basically just... Oh, it's plugged in. You're, Couldn't you're, that be dangerous? You're, <laughs> the toilet that's plugged in an electrical outlet. What is the weekend board up and happens to use it and misses? Oh, that's no good. I don't want a toilet that's plugged into the wall. Yeah, well, this toilet's plugged into the wall. Isn't a toilet filled with water and other liquids sometimes? Yeah. Isn't it? And, there's a... and in the case of many of our fellow employees, they'll miss both places. <laughs> it is. It's It's like the weekenders are marking their territory in that unisex bathroom. Yeah. This whole bathroom belongs to me now. Um, so, let's back up. So, it's just a toilet filled with cedar chips? Yes. Why does cedar chips to treat the waste? The heat generated <laughs> kills any bacteria, and waste materials are vaporized. But what do you mean the heat generated? I'm not a scientist. <laughs> not so, even a Japanese scientist. But if it's just cedar chips, why does it cost $70,000? Isn't cedar just laying oh, around? Oh, the seat is heated. <laughs> I'm sorry. What a fool I was. Explains it all. So you I don't know. It's some magic genie type of thing. I think more... It's a hot cedar chip toilet. Yes. Okay. Well, you're it's a toilet filled with wood. And so wouldn't it just like what do you mean hang out on top? Like, that's, I, that's, that's what I'm saying. I mean, and what, like, and what like, do you like, mean the cedar chips, they come to life and like... They're magical cedar in. chips. Yes. Well, they're from Japan. <laughs> magical Japanese cedar chips. So, but it vaporizes your waste? Yes. I, I think vaporizing is a made-up scientific thing. I don't think that actually happens to anything. I don't think stuff is really like vaporized in real life. Well, maybe. Oh, maybe they. Oh, maybe they're getting even. All right. <laughs> what happens if you don't move in time before your waist is vaporized? Will you I don't be know. In? We vaporize whole ass. All right. Ew. Are you trying to talk like Tonto? No. How do I you just vaporize? <laughs> it's the, the every time I do that, it's the voice of I forget the actor's name. Jay Silverheels. Uh, no, no, it is the every time I do that, uh, where I drop my articles and I have that sort of angry tone of the That is the voice of I'll have to figure out the actor's name. He's in the movie Gung Ho with Michael Keaton and Getty Watanabe, uh, and it, it's the, the famous scene where. Uh, where Michael Keaton is going into this sort of like this Japanese training seminar, and the, 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 the Japanese employees are all having to, you know, they're being yelled at and they're screaming, and the guy's got all of these like brightly colored pieces of cloth on his shirt, and Michael Keaton, Michael Keaton is saying, well, look, you see, we're doing a really good job here. Look, I mean, uh, you got all these ribbons, and the guy says famously, those are ribbons of shame, and so every. <laughs> 
And so whenever I do that voice, I'm just doing that actor. I, I have the to, of shame actor. I'm do, I have to figure out his name, but the guys out there know what I'm talking about. He's in the movie Gung Ho uh, with George Went and Michael Keaton and Getty Watanabe. Uh, so, in any event. So when I, you know, will vaporize whole ass, I'm doing that guy. All right. Oh, okay. Whole ass. Here's Tim Riley. <laughs> Gasoline thieves are on the prowl. A Portland auto parts store reports a sharp increase in the sales of lockable gas caps. What was that for? I was given the thumbs up because this is relatable. Oh. A locking gas cap won't stop all thieves. Some are simply uh, puncturing the gas tank and siphoning out the fuel directly. How much is this is happening? So sales of gas tank repair kits is also going up. Okay. So, uh, oh, wait, let's see here. Oh. Well, apparently this is happening in increasing... This used to happen all the time in California before they got lacking gas caps. But once you move up here, you just open the thing up and take the gas out. That's what you do, kids. Tim Riley says so. Uh, let's see. Uh, I'm tired of talking about the price of gasoline. Sarah, that's what Sarah was doing. Sarah's like, she mouthed the words like, no more gas talk. No, I mean, no. It's just, it's just so frustrating. Well, but, but it's, yeah. it's, it's just as we were one. saying. It's, it's just there's nothing. You totally, you were the first one to actually say uh, that it was like talking about the weather, which is true. There's just nothing you can do, um, unless this unless it's just going to get continuously more depressing. And and like yeah, it, right because and as I think and I really do think I I was onto something yesterday when I said that you know there's that whole well you know what it's going to be up to six dollars by the end of the summer. Well, how do they know that first of all? Like that's just a thing that someone it's wishful thinking, but it happens every time. But see, but don't you agree uh, that by saying well it's going to be six dollars by the end of the summer that we're just giving the oil companies permission to do it? Mm-hmm. I mean, if the oil company's going, well, look, these fools expect it to be sick. We'd only planned for five. They're expecting it to be six. Raise it to six dollars. Yeah. You know, and then, you that's know. That's what they're going to do. That's totally what they're going to do. It's very Enron-ish, but it happens. You know, this isn't going to end, Tim, uh, until we annex Saudi Arabia. Good. Let's do it. I say we do it right now. All right. Here's Tim Riley. You know, Susan's going to be down any moment now telling us. Oh, God. One of our fellow employees has been contaminated by tomatoes. It's going around. So far, Three Oregonians have become ill from contaminated tomatoes. Uh, the outbreak has sickened 166 people in 17 states. Monday, there were at least three cases confirmed in Oregon. Two more are pending. Two of the affected people live in Umatilla and Union counties. A third is a Washington County resident, possibly exposed to these contaminated tomatoes in California. Mm-hmm. Salmonella is an infection that causes diarrhea, fever, vomiting, most people get better without medical attention, but the illness can be serious for some. Well, so good. if you're not getting pink eye, you could be suffering from contaminated tomatoes. Uh, and so, yeah, somebody here is noting, uh, this is, somebody says, I wonder about John McCain. Every time he gives a speech, I wonder on the teleprompter if it really just says blink or attempt to smile. Otherwise, he would just stand there emotionless. Maybe he's like Steve Forbes. You remember Steve, when Steve Forbes ran for president, he never blinked, ever. Michael Moore did this famous shot of uh, Steve Forbes during one of the debates, who was a presidential candidate at that time. And Steve Forbes just sat there, and literally it was like 48 seconds or something, where he had like a smile on his face, and his eyes never closed. They were like weird, like dry reptile eyes. It's all very scary. A 23-year-old woman is accused of kicking her boyfriend in the back and throwing his crutches outside, stranding him on the floor. I'm sorry. Wait, are these permanent crutches or temporary crutches? It doesn't say here. Like, was he just, did he break his foot or was he, like, a cripple? It says, if I knew I was going to jail, I would have kicked him hard enough to paralyze his buttocks. Says <laughs> Brittany Penn of Okeechobee County. I paralyze whole ass! 
Officers found Penn's 28-year-old boyfriend on crutches in the driveway of his home. He told officers that he and the woman argued, and he just wanted to go to sleep. <laughs> the woman pushed him off the bed, kicked his back, and hit his face, cutting his ear. He lied on the floor due to Brittany taking his crutches and throwing them outside the residence, the report says. The boyfriend called 911, and then the woman graciously returned his crutches. Uh, Penn said they argued over television and that he punched her in the eye. A witness who says Penn reportedly attacked the boyfriend, and officers uh, determined she was the primary aggressor. She's being held on $5,000 bail. Can I just say this? Domestic violence is not funny unless it's going both ways. Then it can be really hilarious. So, I mean, that's if it's, if it's fisticuffs in both directions, there's your potential for comedy. So, so, so we don't know if he was like... Like a polio guy, or maybe he was just like had a had a bum foot or something. We don't know. I like the idea that she threatened not just to paralyze him, but to paralyze his buttocks. Could you have paralyzed buttocks? I don't think so. All right, as long as you pulled a muscle there or something. Okay, never mind. Maybe you could. I. Hmm. Um. Somebody out there must have a paralyzed buttocks. All right. Never. Eh, no, I can't though. No. Never mind. Let's not do it. No, it was not even about buttocks. At some point, I need to find somebody who's... Never mind. Never mind. Never mind. Never mind. I'm going to pack up. I just have a question about paralysis that I've always wanted to ask somebody, but it's like, who can you ask? A doctor. I suppose. Maybe the next time I go to the doctor, I'll say, hey, about paralysis. I have a paralysis question, something that's always sort of nagged at me, but it seems now that it's inappropriate for discussion on the air. Mm-hmm. We'll stop. Here's Tim Riley. And then I'll say, I just happen to keep a file on paralyzed buttocks. Would right. you like to thumb through it? Here you go. Please, no names yes. should be mentioned on the air. An all-night search for a possible parachute is stuck in the trees near Sandy eventually revealed that it was nothing but helium balloons stuck in the tree. A resident reported seeing what appeared to be a person in a parachute float over a house and get stuck in a clump of trees, so she called 911. The search began. Volunteers came out. They used a telescope and spotted what looked like orange and white parachute and a tree along a ridge, but darkness came upon them, and nobody could see anything. Then again, early this morning, a local television news helicopter came to the scene and found out it was actually helium balloons. <laughs> so they called out the search. And apparently there's a, uh, a paraglider still missing out there. Somewhere. Oh, man, paragliders. Can I just tell you, I'm reading this book uh, right now. Oh, I totally overshot the trash can. Hold on. Damn it. How can you tell where you're hitting that corner? Oh. Ah! oh, sorry. Oh. Is everything all right now? <laughs> right. Yeah, what are you I, doing? I, I did a thing. Um, so I'm reading this book by John Krakauer uh, called uh, Iger Dreams, which is just, uh, he's the guy that wrote Into Thin Air and Into the Wild and Under the Banner of Heaven. And it's just a collection of essays about sort of uh, either mountaineering or, or sort of, uh, you know, I, I hate to say extreme sports, but I mean things like climbing Mount McKinley and whatever. But he has this... He has this whole chapter about paragliding and about how phenomenally dangerous it is. And he talks about going to this one village in France that is really renowned for paragliding. And he said that he would just sit in a cafe having, you know, like a like a having a scone and some tea or whatever. And he said that he would just sit there in the morning at the at this outdoor cafe and the, the air was so thick with paragliders that they were just sort of like mosquitoes because it was one of the world's premier paragliding places. And he said that for amusement in the morning he would just sit there at the cafe, drinking his tea, watching paragliders have horrific crashes into things. And he said that the first half hour he sat down for breakfast, he saw one guy fly into the second story side of a building. 
he saw another guy go into some power lines, and a third guy crashed right into the trees and rolled down a hill into the river. And he said that was just in the first half hour of sitting there. Uh, so it does seem like a phenomenally dangerous sport, so I have, like, proportionately uh, less concern uh, about people who are injured paragliding. Who thinks it's a good idea? What? Who thinks it's a good idea to provide 6th through 12th grade students free passes for TriMet buses and max trains? Bastards, no. I don't, I don't ride either of those things. Go ahead. I ride the bus. Oh. Well, tomorrow morning, uh, Mayor Potter, Potter and Commissioner uh, Sam Adams will talk about this pilot program to provide 6th through 12th graders throughout Multnomah County free passes for TriMet buses and max trains. This is a proposal to help ease the strain caused by a lack of School transportation. I can see that Sarah does not approve. Make no, because walk. you know what? They still at that point have somebody taking care of them, whereas when you're an adult, you have to take care of yourself and you have to pay for all that. So, I mean, like, so why should they get a free ride if adults can't? That's true. They're not taxpaying members of society. No. It's some liberal agenda thing. That's exactly, you know, this, this is a welfare and handouts, Tim. That's what this is all about. This is for welfare queens. Uh, that is a good point, actually. I mean, why? I don't know. Wait, have we just become old and cranky here? Yes. What I, like well, I don't think so. I mean, because if they're, if they're going to school, if they're in the school system and if they're in 6th through 12th grade, obviously they're living at home with somebody who's taking care of them, taking responsibility for them. So, I mean, why do we have to pay? Well, but because this is a nanny state. <laughs> exactly, Tim. Where taxes are too low. Um, so, but, wait, where, but don't they have school buses? Apparently there's a shortage of school buses. So we're... Now, where's all this tax money that they're taking out of my property taxes, supposedly for other people's children going? No, no, Tim. And what about the Oregon lottery, which gives millions to Oregon schools? Tim, taxes are very low. John McCain just said Low, low. Low, low, low taxes. Um, So that's a good question, actually. Where is... I sound like I'm in that movie, Dave. I sound like I'm Charles Grodin. Charles Grodin. Who does these books? I I don't know where that money is going. And you're right. The Oregon Lottery, isn't that all that, isn't that money for uh, kids millions and education? Millions of yeah, it's all for the children. And don't tell me people aren't playing the Oregon Lottery. Every time I go into a bar, there's just like guys five deep in the video poker. Oh, yeah. So, and One I hate scratch to... scratch off for a cigarette, really, is what it comes down to. And, I mean, I hate to be this guy, but when I was a kid, didn't we all have school buses and school transportation? Yes. Sarah, mm-hmm. did yeah. you have school buses? Yes. I had school buses. Tim? Yes, but we walked to school. Okay, but so what has changed? Why, why can't, why are the, they could afford school buses then. Why can't they afford school buses now? That is a good question, isn't it? I'm not trying to be daft. I know that inflation well, goes up. Too, and even if it's about gas, I mean, well, then they're still putting their money somewhere else. It's still costing if they're saying that all these kids are going to get it for free, which means someone has to pay for yeah, it. Yeah, that, exactly. See, now you're now you're thinking like a right-thinking American. Because aren't we then just subsidizing all of these kids to ride the bus and the max, which I suppose is fine. I'm not one of those guys who hates paying, who hates chipping in for public schools. I mean, look, it's one. Le- you know, kids going to school, that's 13 years. They're not going to be breaking into my house. So. That's fine. Uh, but I guess my thing is it just seems like a wash. Like if we're basically going to be paying for them to take public transportation, why aren't we just paying for them to take a regular bus somewhere else Exactly. so they can stay away from me? I mean, the question, how can I get them to school and not have to see them? That's really what I'm trying to figure out here is how can we get kids to school without any of us having to have contact with them? Because, I mean, let's be honest, no one likes children, not even other children. You know it's true. Well, whatever. All right, here's Tim Riley. Mm. They're spending all their money on parades and carnivals. And zip guns, Tim. Mm-hmm. Uh, have we taken any calls today? No. no. I feel bad. There's people who've been on hold for, oh, well, I think, well, let's forever. Let's talk to them. Let's talk to them. All right. I think these people have been on hold, like, always. Um, hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello. Hi, Rick. Hi. 
Yes, listen, I had an idea uh, regarding that Cedars toilet. If uh, somebody were to ever uh, write a great novel about it. Now, is this going to be a joke? Well, I hope so. Is this, have you thought the joke through? Yes, I've, I've been very contemplative about it. All right, it. take another moment. All right, go ahead. Okay, I think it should be called Slow Falling on Cedars. <laughs> <laughs> okay, that was pretty funny. <laughs> and and Rick? Yeah. The uh, other day, I'm sure it was unintentional, but the uh, the top five uh, regarding the Pink Floyd song? Yeah. You have to admit, it, w it was given kind of short shrift. I mean, I understand that scheduling and all that. But somebody as stellar as the Floyd, you know, you, you got to come back, please. Well, Scott Daly brought in that one song that's 23 minutes long. Yeah. I mean, there's, you know, there's such a thing as editing to get to the hook. Well, exactly. But like you and I talked one time about, you know, the, the tail gunner's dream. I mean, maybe just a, something in the top five of, of, you know, lesser known but great songs. Or something like we'll that. put that on our HD stream, sir. All right. Thanks. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye. All right. Oh, here's a special message from the CBS store. Oh, God. The spring special for CBS employees only. Small gnomes are just nineteen ninety six. Originally twenty four ninety five, and large gnomes are just fifty five ninety six. There's a special code. The special code is gnome. I don't understand. They're selling gnomes. Gnome, gnome Chomsky. No, no. Gnome, gnome Alaska. No gnomes. Garden gnomes. Garden gnomes. See. Why would CBS be selling garden gnomes? And all different variations of garden gnomes. Maybe Les Moonves got a whole shipment of them Are from you China. kidding me? No. Okay, somebody needs to capture that and put it on your blog. <laughs> Isn't that funny? Seriously, somebody, maybe Sarah, maybe, you need to just screen capture that, crop out whatever you need to, and then you need to put a, a picture of that up. Okay. Because that doesn't make any sense. Sure it does. They're trying to be good to their employees. By giving us gnomes? They're not giving them. By selling us gnomes. So wait, let me see. So CBS is trying to help us by selling us ceramic lawn ornaments. Mm -hmm. Okay. The secret code is gnome. I could use another pair of headphones. No. No, I'd rather have the opportunity to buy a garden gnome. What goes on at that company? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, wouldn't you have liked to... What did the meeting sound like where they were trying to figure out what do our employees want? Uh, we could provide better dental. They have roaming gnome party lights. It's all gnome items. Yeah. It's it's a whole page of gnome items that I can buy. Uh-huh. Are these at a discount of some kind? Yes, they are. But, you know, but now that I say that, you realize you have only their word to go by on that. How do you know if it's at a discount? Could be there could be a double the price. What what do you how would you even compare that? That's what they do at Ross sometimes, where they'll like put on a big bright orange like sticker. It'll be like only seven ninety nine. They'll cover another one. You know, saying it's on sale, and then you peel off that sticker. Five ninety nine. And underneath yeah. it, it's seven ninety nine. <laughs> well, I'll, I'll wait to buy my CBS gnomes till they come to Marshalls. Then seriously, I uh, yeah, I'm gonna pass on the gnome. All right, I'm gonna put gnome. It. I've got no no more interest in that. Uh, hi, you're on the Rick Emerson show. Rick. Hi. Can you turn up your radio, please? Turn it up? Yeah, just as loud as it'll go. Oh, I can barely hear it. Sorry about that. Hey, um, I had a couple questions. Uh, not about the pink eye, but um, the salmonella. Can't you just wash the darn tomato, or is it inside the tomato? I had that question, too. Timothy, the tomatoes give people salmonella. I mean, who just buys something in the supermarket and shoves it right in their mouth? Everyone. I mean, <laughs> not me, man. 
I scrub, man. I wash. I scrub. I peel. I scrape. Oh well, yeah. You figure all the all the people that had the people are not like dirty, you. Gru- gru- you know, hands on it. I mean, that's a little bit of Darwinism in action there, though. I mean, yeah. you know what? I mean, if you if you're gonna buy crap from the store and just shove it right in your mouth, you get you deserve whatever you get. Well, I believe there should be more Darwinism in this. You and world. me both, my friend. I know, especially when it's so expensive. They spend like. Five million dollars to you know make the guardrails a little bit stronger on a bridge for that one car every ten years it goes off. I mean, let them go off, you know. That's the spirit. At yeah. least, at least there are no seat belts on school buses. <laughs> Which is a weird thing when you think about death, it. All right, thank you. Trap. Bye. Bye. Well, Even now they're telling local tomato eaters to eat local tomatoes only because apparently they're cleaner than tomatoes. Or you could just else. wash them. Quit being such a goddamned pig. Wash? I mean, seriously. Quit being such a freaking savage. Wash your food. God. I mean, really, I mean, it seems like if monkeys have figured out to wash their food, your ass can figure out how to wash a tomato before you eat it. Good God. Especially something... the government to take care of Especially something that grows in the ground, which is fertilized with, you know, waste. So, all right. Looks like Laura brought me home some, um, you know, some rhubarb the other day because I'm a rhubarb enthusiast, and uh, she brought some home some rhubarb. Can't wait to have some. And you know what I did? Gave it a good long scrubbing right underneath the tap. Rinsed it off when I was done. Toweled it off, and then peeled it. You know, sort of peeled off that outer coating just to be on the safe side. Why? Comes out of the dirt. You wouldn't put handfuls of dirt in your mouth. Why would you take something out of the dirt and shove that in your mouth? You do that, you're dumb. There's just no other way around it. You're just not that bright. So, all right. Uh, oh, is this uh, Amanda Moyer? Maybe. I don't know. All right. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome now to the Rick Emerson Show from the CNN Radio Center in Atlanta. Amanda Moyer. Hello. How are you today? Hi. I'm well. How you are know, you guys? I'm good. You know, we talk to you like once every six months, this week twice in a row, which I guess means we won't speak again until February. So I'll make the most of this. Well, that's true. So we have a peculiar fixation on this program on carnival accidents and things that go wrong in amusement parks. Uh, amusement parks. So it's like, you know, because we just had a big... Fe- is the festival here over, Tim? Is the Rose Festival done? I think so. Because we were talking about, you know, you get these... It seems disproportionate. You get these big rides where it's like a 9 million pound Ferris wheel, and it's all held together with like one tiny, you know, cotter pin. that seems like it could be pretty easily sheared off. And... So that's one of the reasons why I kind of go and I just sort of sit there and watch other people ride it, but I myself pass on that. So my question to you is, can we or can we not blame all of this on carnies? Well, I wouldn't say that. (laughs) What would you say? But what, What you said, though, is what a lot of people think, that with those pins... They see it, and they're not sure if it's rickety or dangerous, and... The thing is, is I actually spoke to a carnival owner, and he was saying that they do have a lot of checks, and they go through a lot to make sure that that stuff does hold up. And the thing is, they have to put it up and take it apart so much that they see if the pins are worn or if something isn't working. But amusement parks don't have that luxury because they're permanent. So when we were talking, he was saying that's why you see you don't see as many big accidents in carnivals than you do in amusement parks. See, I would think, maybe this is wrong, but I would think it would be just the opposite because you, you figure, you know, you put everything together at the Magic Mountain, you, you get it up, you, you, know, you ratchet everything down, and it's good to go. But I would say this, if, like if you brought me, let's say, a toaster, and if I had to take a toaster apart and put it back together five, six, seven, eight, nine times in a row, 
I think I would probably leave a different part out every time. I mean, I could I remember trying to put together. It was just something. I remember trying to put together like a cabinet to hold my TiVo one time, and I had like a whole bunch of things left over on the floor afterward that I suspect were probably supposed to be in there. So it really does. It surprises me that it would be the permanent uh, sort of uh, amusement parks that have the higher uh, incident. I would not expect that. It it is a little bit surprising. I can say though another thing too though is amusement parks are not regulated under any federal safety umbrella. No way. Get out. Absolutely true. That That's a, a big thing. They are not monitored by a, the federal government. But carnivals are. Carnivals, the moving attractions at carnivals, are fall underneath the CPSC. But amusement parks are not. And that's a big thing that a lot of people don't realize. And safety groups, um, various organizations, um, Safer Parks is one of them, and they have been advocating for years to have the CPSC control it or at least monitor it. Right now, amusement parks are only have to the states, the state governments. They are a law unto themselves. Different. They are answerable to no one. That's right. Ah, all right. First, first of all, a that surprised me. It really does surprise me. And b. I am the, just the uh, the sort of whimsical part of me is amused by the idea that there is a guy whose sole job is to sort of inspect carnivals. Because I picture his office, like you just open the door and there's immediately that kind of wah, wah noise that's just sort of coming out of nowhere. And behind the desk is a guy with like a big red nose and floppy shoes. But maybe that's only in my head. Okay. Amanda Moyer, CNN Radio Correspondent. Amanda Moyer, as always, a pleasure. I'm sure we will talk to you very soon. Thank you, Amanda. Thanks. Thank you. You're so amazing. <laughs> that was the best courtesy laugh. Oh, boy. That was so great. <laughs> I want to isolate that. Remember we used to have that Ed McCarthy laugh, uh, which I think we lost in the great uh, off-turning here. But um, that was so great. I was trying to be funny. And she just, uh-huh. <laughs> Oh, that was, that was wonderful. The definition of courtesy line. Wow, good for her. And yes, the Rose Festival is over. I remember the last day of it. All those people riding home on the Max tracks. I thought it was still set up this morning. It may, it may have not have been taken down. Yeah. That's true. They're looking for the wrench. All right. <laughs> you done seen that taker, Parter? All right. Um, should we do some more calls? Sarah, what? We've got to break. We haven't taken a break in over an hour. That's a lie. No, it's not. Is it a lie? It's not a lie. Take a break. We'll be back with more news, though, Tim. We got barrels of it. You know what? And we got nothing else planned for the rest of the day. You're kidding me. No. So it's just it's it's 90 miles of uh, open road here for you, Tim. So we'll come back. More from Tim Riley around the corner. Peter Carlin tomorrow. Uh, later on today, top five songs from Sarah's seventh grade year. And uh, more. Stay there. It's the Rick Emerson Radio Program. Radio program. It's 503-733-2970. This is that bed. I always wonder if it's about to stop. Maybe right here. No, damn it. Yeah, it's to all of First Avenue. Here's something nobody cares about. 
They canceled a show that I already thought was canceled. I thought the show had been canceled years ago. Who knows what I'm talking about? I don't know. ER. No. No, it's a show that was... I thought the show only lasted one season. But apparently it had been on for... I guess it had been on for three years. Wow. You know, I don't even care enough to tease it. Uh, So they canceled Courtney Cox's show, Dirt. Who even knew that show was still on? How was that possibly still on? Right here. Got it right here from Fox News. Friend star Courtney Cox won't be digging up the dirt anymore. <laughs> Show's been canceled. It just got canceled. She, they, listen to this. It just got canceled, she said, when someone asked about the prospect of her season three pickup. That's got to be great. Hey, Courtney Cox, how's your show? Canceled. Uh, let's see. She, however, is hard at work with her husband, David Arquette, whom I loathe, uh, with whom she produced dirt. She says, we're developing all kinds of stuff right now, like failure. She said, we're producing more stuff together. More epic fail. By the way, we got a whole pile of epic fail we're building in the basement. We can't wait for everybody to see it. Uh, blah, 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 blah. No one cares. Here's Tim Riley at the Ministry of Truth. And now, from the Ministry of Truth, this is Tim Riley. One person is dead on Mount Rainier, and the rescue has been launched with two others cut in a blizzard. Did they go off the trail? No, they got cut in a blizzard. Can you okay. imagine that? Cut. Uh, two males, uh, one female, had a day hike camp viewer. He got caught in a blizzard coming down the mountaintop. So uh, the survivors have frostbite and can't walk out from a shelter. The helicopter is uh, waiting for a snowstorm to clear. They're about uh, 10,000 feet up. All right. They'll be coming down the mountain when they're found. When they're found. Yes. And probably didn't have a chance to use that new toilet up there either. No, probably not. They won't be vaporizing. They probably have to go by now. I don't mean Sarah's giving me the look like I'm a bad person. I don't mean to sound unsympathetic. I really don't. I I hope everything turns out reasonably okay. But let's, can we all be honest? People who climb Mount Rainier do it because of the sense of adventure. And adventure is a code word for dangerous. Mm -hmm. When people say, well, it's a sense, it's a thrill, it's a sense of adventure. You don't get a sense of adventure from walking down the street or from just climbing, you know, walking to the top of Mount Tabor with your dog. You get a you know you get a sense of a danger because you might die doing something. I hope they don't die, but let's be honest, that's part of the risk. That's what they know. So I mean that's I mean that's the deal. Mountains are tall and these things can happen on the way up. That's that's yeah. the thing. Well, you know, Lara has a friend of hers who just climbed Mount Hood a couple weeks ago, and uh, which is I have to admit, I mean, here's the thing. Uh, it is the very definition of living vicariously because I have no desire to do anything like that. None. Uh, I mean, in real life, the idea of climbing Mount Everest, you know, anything like that. I mean, your scale or even Mount Hood. In real life, I have there's no way, there's no way. But I really do enjoy reading about or watching the people who've done stuff like that. Like I said, John Krakauer, who writes almost exclusively about mountaineering and about huge mountaineering feats, which I love because it's a thing that I, I am fascinated by. I could never do it, but it is sort of fascinating. But this woman, her friend Elisa, just hiked all the way up Mount Hood and back, and she took these amazing. You know, aren't you always sort of intrigued by this too? When people are climbing to the top of a huge ice hill that's like fifty thousand feet high. And it's like, and here's where I nearly died by falling into a crevasse. And I stopped to take photos. And they always have photos of these things. It's like that 96 Mount Everest disaster where a bunch of people died. And if you read Krakauer's book, there's all these photos. Like, uh, here's Bob right before we had to cut off his hand. Uh, you know, and it's Bob, like, holding up his blackened stump to the camera and, you know, grinning. Like, you know, here's Ted right before he tumbled to his doom into a hole filled with icy spikes. And so Elisa's the same thing. I mean, nothing happened to her, but she's like, well, so here's when I nearly passed out from exhaustion at 2 in the morning after climbing all day and I'd had no water. And it's a, a like a, a photo taken that's like straight down this big hill of blue ice. This is a thank you, no, I'll pass. Here's Tim Riley. 
From the mailbag, says, I think you'll agree that city people get what they deserve by buying mass-produced California-grown tomatoes. They pick them green and ship them filthy just to make money. Grow your own. Tomatoes grow well to buy clean suburban dirt, and they taste better because they ripen properly under my supervision. Now, are the typical tomatoes that we purchase here grown in California? I would assume so, yes. Well, that's where all that... Uh... That's where all that asparagus, asparagus that had poo on it came from. Well, I hope people who mindlessly buy these cheap imported tomatoes and strawberries crap themselves to death. <laughs> I enjoy your news and website. That's a great phrase. Uh-huh. <laughs> I like they tag it with, like, love the show. <laughs> to death, you say. Here's Tim Riley. Don't forget, the spring special for CBS employees. <laughs> Small garden gnomes are only nineteen ninety six, as seen on TV. Uh, have a Darwin watch. By the way, just before you play that, we have one email. About those gnomes, Kathy says, it sounds like some CBS exec's brother-in-law hijacked a semi full of gnomes. That's totally... <laughs> less I... Uh, Les, I thought it was full of cigarettes, but it turns out it's just these goddamn gnomes. How can we get rid of them? Les, no problem. I will make sure that everybody at CBS buys them. Here's your Darwin. I have a feeling some bad stuff is about to go down. Don't, don't, don't. I ate all my cap. Don't, don't, don't. My parents won't let me use scissors. Don't, don't, don't. Another one busted us. Don't, don't, don't. Another one busted us. And another one gone. And another one gone. Another one busted us. Hey. Can I say something before we actually have the Darwin watch? Sure. You know, that's one of the uh, watches that I created. Some of them I didn't, like the uh, the Geek Watch, a listener to that. Uh, but that one I created at home, and I'm particularly proud of it because I do like the Homer, you know, the do, do, do. Nothing about that. So I'm really am proud of that. Every time I hear it, though, I realize I made a mistake. Though. You know, because the Barney Gumble thing at the end is funny, but it doesn't really make sense. Like, it doesn't really fit. You know what I mean? Because yeah. it's, it's a well, Darwin watch. Way. Yeah, there, my heart just stopped. It's funny, but it doesn't really work. Like, it, it doesn't really belong there. I don't know why I put it there. It doesn't seem to fit the theme of the Darwin watch. Well, it'll do for now. I suppose. Here's Tim Riley. Uh, this comes to us from Lebanon, Maine. Two teenage girls, some bathing on a railroad trestle, lost limbs when a train came upon them unexpectedly in this New Hampshire border town. Why would it be unexpected? It's a train trestle! Well, this is close they could get to a beach, apparently. They were lying on beach towels on the train trestle. Now, a trestle is, that's a bridge, right? Yes. Like in Stand By Me. Right. Cars don't go over. Just the train does. Just trains. Uh, The train rounded a corner and started breaking and blasted its horn, said Lieutenant uh, Gary of York County Sheriff's Department. The conductor and engineer say they uh, never saw the girls move, but their injuries suggest they tried to scramble away in the last moment. Why don't you try to find a different place to sunbathe? I mean, where is this? It Maine. Maine. Oh, so so it is in the Stand By Me state. Yeah. It's exactly where Stand By Me took place. It's in Castle Rock. All right. Well, here's you would th- Jesus. You would think a teenager growing up in Maine, Stephen King country, mm-hmm. undoubtedly has seen Stand By Me. Let's just dispense with that. Let's just bottom line this. Even if you haven't seen Stand By Me, of all the places to sunbathe, a train track. 13-year-old Destiny Feneff. Destiny. Lost her Looks leg like... uh, just below the knee, and Rachel Brown, 14, lost a foot. Did the t- it sounds like the train met its destiny, Tim. Uh, the crews are searching the water for the lost limbs. Ah. The girls were cutting class and enjoying sunny weather... A uh, sunbathing on the railroad trestle when the freight train came upon them. 
There's no indication the girls were impaired by alcohol or drugs or that the hearing was impaired by the headphones they were wearing. Oh, uh, so they're, let me understand this. So they're actually, they're not only uh, teenagers sunbathing on a train trestle. They had fallen asleep <laughs> they, while sunbathing on the train track. <laughs> All right, let's fall asleep on a train track. What can go wrong? Wait, hold on. Just to make sure that we sleep on a drive. I want to make, no, I've been, I'm feeling real tired lately. I feel like I need to really catch up on my REM cycle. Let's, uh, let's put on some noise blocking headphones. No, I'm sure it'll be fine. Jesus. All right, well, people get what people get. There's your Darwin watch for uh, Tuesday. Don't, don't, don't. Another one bites the dust. All right, let's see. We've got. Uh, oh, I want to thank whoever it is that uh, this is from. Let's see. Is my computer up over there? Uh, Aram sent this to me. Hey, he's a nice ribbon. Oh, a ribbon of shame. That's <laughs> that is so fantastic. Oh, a ribbon of shame. Excellent. Thank you, my friend. That's wonderful. I'm going to edit that down and use that every day. Here's Tim Riley. From Lake Oswego comes word a woman is accused of stealing the identity of an 89-year-old Lake Oswego man and charging as much as $100,000 in his name. Oh, a lady with a very long foreign name, several names as a matter of fact, is charged with identity theft, forgery, and aggravated theft. She was arrested following the execution of a search warrant at a home in Tualatin. Inside the home, they found thousands of dollars worth of property believed to have been bought as part of the fraud. They include... Two plane tickets to Egypt. Oh, she's a foreigner. And a widescreen television and three laptops. A Macy's apparently alerted the victim's family to the fraud. Police took the initial theft report in January. Investigators believe there are other victims in the case. The suspect is described as a caregiver for the elderly. Uh, Connecticut police are wondering who stuffed a raw chicken with a pipe bomb and left it on the roadside. I'm wondering that too, actually. Uh, Captain Matthew Catania of Simsbury Police says a motorist noticed a chicken by the side of the road. He said the bomb was large enough to harm a person if it went off. The road was closed while the Hartford Police Department bomb squad came in and blew up the chicken. Nobody was hurt. The chicken is a, a total loss. Or <laughs> look at me. No. No, none at all. Hi. <laughs> Just shreds, you say. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. I accept full responsibility for the chicken bomb. <laughs> Rick, stop. Hi. Hey, Rick. Why isn't Richie screening calls? I don't know. Richie, where are you? Is that a riddle? Hold on, let me... No, that's not it. I, uh... Hold on, uh... Where did my... No, I don't know. How can I help you? Okay, you know what those girls were uh, suffering from that uh, that fell asleep on the train trestle. I don't know. Is this going to be a joke? Well, no, they weren't. They weren't actually tired. They were just suffering from iPod fatigue. Mm -hmm. I guess it wasn't going to be a joke. All right. How how else can I help you? Actually, I was trying to get a hold of Richie, but he's not answering. I'll put you back on hold, Richie. Apparently, this is just Richie's answering service. I guess at this point, higher on the Rick Emerson show. Oh, this is the longest I've ever been on hold. How long have you been on hold? Uh, since noon. Oh, <laughs> wow. Boy, I feel so, bad. Oh, man. Well, we should so thank sorry. you for, for waiting. I'm sorry. Please. Uh, uh, okay, I'm going to put you back on hold. Your call will be taken in the order it was... No, I'm just kidding. Go ahead. Hello. Yeah, I, how can I help you? It's about the smart car. I know it's been a while now, wow. so I don't even know if you I wish that. I had a flashback noise. Hold on. Do I have some sort of a, uh, like a harp? Like the uh, the sound of yesterday, Sarah? Do we have a flashback noise? We used to. Like a harp? Oh, wait. Hold All on. I have is... 
That's, that's going back too far. Civil, Civil War documentary? I don't think I have it here. I, I think at one point I had uh, sound for the uh, for the Christmas. Closer. That's that's almost it. I, at one point I had sound that was all for the for the radio play, the Christmas play that we did, that's featured many uh, that you know like a lot of sort of recap noises gives a lot of time travel uh, happening. One one second, sir. Um, wait. 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 No, I got nothing. Okay, go ahead. Um, a couple of things about that car. Um, you guys thought it uh, was uh, built by BMW. It's actually built by Daimler, the people that, that own Mercedes. Ah, okay. BMW, Not... built, BMW builds the Mini Cooper. I think I, speak... I always get all the Germans confused. I was going to actually say, too, and I think for a lot of people, I think I speak for a lot of people, I always get Mercedes and BMW confused, and I have to stop and picture the logo. Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, a couple other things. Uh, everyone up until then was correct. I mean, the very fact that more safety stuff is needed. I'm a car geek, so this is I, – I couldn't not hang up after two hours. It's but, in your wheelhouse. Right. Uh, the very fact that the cars are now required to have, you know, side beams reinforcements there, uh, airbags, uh, both sides and the back. Or, yeah, that's a bunch, of, that's a bunch of sissy laws is what that is. Well, it's it's not. I mean, it's it's needed, but it, oh. makes, the cars, it makes the cars heavier. And uh, the other thing is the reason why EPA ratings might not seem so high today is because just recently – the old way the federal the federal government got the, the mileage numbers was really flawed. I mean, no one could get those numbers that the, that the EPA would get. So they've since revamped how they get those numbers and is, they're more closer. Is to this what like? Someone... I realize that you are now engaged in a really manly discussion about cars, so let me just sound uh, really girly right now. Is this like how they readjusted ladies' dress sizes? Well, what the hell is that? Oh, that's my rig. I had to, I had to oh. move out of someone's way. Uh, this is like how they readjusted dress sizes some years back, because you always hear that thing about Marilyn Monroe was a size 14, which is sort of misleading, because she was a size 14 like in 1962, but a size yeah. 14 then is not the same as a size 14 now. They actually they, they adjusted everything up, I think, or down, yeah. one of the two. All right, right, so it's just like that, but yeah. with cars. Correct. I'll just minute. I'm getting out of someone's way. Here. Uh, that's okay. Anyway, no, no, we'll, no, we'll wait. The, you, the, you, the smart car. The smart car. How how efficient can it really be when it's that small and you can't fit anything in it? You got to make multiple trips to move anything or anybody. No, that is oh. that is that is true. Well, um, and it costs what eleven grand to, to, to just to. Just for the base model, Here's right? my thing with the smart car technology. The smart car technology to me seems like sort of it's like hybrid. It's not, it's, I wouldn't even call it technology. It's just a small car with an even smaller engine. <laughs> That's what it is. It's, it's sort of misleading. Hybrid technology is sort of is evolving. It is sort of still, I would say, in its toddler stage, whereas... When they say a smart car, I think that is just sort of that's a little bit of marketing sloganeering they're doing there because as you as you just said, it's not really a smart car, it's just tiny. It's basically it's just like a little car with a little engine and a and a little shell around it. That's kind of it. It is it's sort of a sort of misleading the way they market it, yes. It's it's a it's kind of a smug car. It's it's what it a really smug is. car. It's a smug mobile. I, I totally mean, I wanna I, ride in a smug mobile. I, I, I bought a $2,500 Corolla wagon, which could haul a ton of stuff, and I could get my best mileage in the city was 38. See, that's impressive. Over four, and I could get over 40 on the freeway if I drafted a truck. Sir, here's what I'm going to do, because you waited literally for like nine hours. While uh, driving. Yeah, while, while driving, and managing to not kill yourself somehow. I absolutely love the show. I can't hang out. Well, thank you, my friend. I'm going to put you on hold. Uh, Richie Bristol uh, will give you a copy of a Jackass tribute to Evil Knievel, my friend. Woo-hoo! Um, 
Working in conjunction with BMX legend Matt Hoffman, Johnny Knoxville hosts a super stunt spectacular in homage to the late great Evil Knievel over an hour. Special features including behind-the-scenes photo gallery and music videos, a jackass tribute to Evil Knievel available on DVDs now, and yours, sir, just for being a good guy. Well, thank you right. very much. Put you back on hold. Thank you for listening, my friend. Uh, all right. Oh, one thing? Yes. Has Sarah enjoyed Malice yet? Malice. I did. I did indeed, and it was just Booyah. as wonderful as I, I remembered. I am God. Thank you. Yeah. Okay, Richie, can you, uh, that guy there on that? Yeah, can you just give him a copy of Jacket? Thank you. All right, here's Tim Ryan. That's really something to wait all that time. And be driving. He's, he's working also. Yeah, good for him. So thanks for listening at work. All right, let's do one more here, and then we'll take a break. Well, here's a sad tale. A four-year-old girl grabbed her grandmother's gun and shot herself at Sam's store in Columbia, South Carolina. The child took the, gra- the uh, gun from her grandmother's purse. Uh, Grandma has a valid permit to carry the concealed weapon. She has not been charged with a crime. The child was rushed to a local hospital. The store is closed for now. Well, I mean, is she she dead? No. Oh, okay. Because yeah, I was sort of unclear about that, but she's clearly not good. No. That's a bad thing. That is. Well, okay, there you go. Let's do one more. Having yeah, said, yeah, all right, yeah, yeah, how about yeah. a heartwarming <laughs> dog story? <laughs> I've got a little dog named Snuggle. Now, is this... No. It's about another dog. Is it really a heartwarming dog story? It is. This isn't going to be like, and then he died anyway. No. Okay. No. All right. Here's, here's, wait, hold on. Here's, uh, here's Tim Riley with uh, what I have been led to believe is a heartwarming dog story, as opposed to a heartwarming dog story. Uh, I have the Rick Emerson Show. Go ahead. Uh, Dorset UK family said their 14 stone bull mastiff is so big he can be seen from outer space. Using the Google Earth website, Boris's owners spotted him sprawled on the family lawn. Fran Muller said, My brother-in-law was on the Internet and looked at a satellite picture of our place. He zoomed in a little way and noticed a big brown blob in the grass in front of the sundial. Then he realized it was Boris in his favorite place. You see, he loves lying there because that's where the sun shines. We couldn't believe it. We didn't think he was big enough to be seen from outer space. The average bull mastiff is Nine stone, whatever that is, but Boris may be particularly big because of the full English breakfast he gets every day at the Mulner family home. Fran said the guests throw him leftovers, which he loves. Boris was a very big dog. Sometimes people mistook him for a hog. Boris was typically very mild, though occasionally he'd eat a child. There you go. Back after this. Sarah Dillon, social detective. Hey, that's how I found that, that girl who hit my car. So... Let me pull up a chair. This whole thing wears me out. So, A, yes, I know that Stand By Me was set in Oregon. I could, I keep forgetting. That, uh, I was confused whether it was filmed here and set in Maine or set in Maine and filmed here. But it was both filmed here and set here, right? Stand By Me? Oh, I don't know. That would be... I don't care. Don't, don't call. I don't care that much. Uh, but that's sort of confusing because I'm pretty sure that the book it's based on is set like all of Stephen King's things because Castle Rock is in Maine. I mean... That's, you know, now that I think about it, that's freaking confusing. There's a Castle Rock in Oregon, too. There is a Castle Rock... Okay, maybe I do want to know. There's a Castle Rock here, 
Wait, there is, right? There's an actual Castle Rock in Oregon, yes. correct? Okay, yes. I'm just making sure. Well, uh, no, Oregon or Washington. Oh, I think it's in I Washington. Don't even know. Um, you know who I uh, really love on Family Guy is Seth Green's voice of Chris. That's a great. I would say of all the characters in the show, even more so than Stewie, Chris has the best. He has the best voice and the best sort of mannerisms and and line readings. Mm-hmm. Uh, because the great thing about Chris is he's just like. He's so disproportionately either upset or happy about things all the time. I would say he has consistently the most amusing deliveries Have on the show. Have you seen the one where he goes goth? No. Oh, it's genius. No. You'll love it. That's great. Um, and one of the other guys in his goth band are, um, is Seth Green doing his normal voice. Oh, that's pretty great. Yeah. Because uh, Seth Green's normal voice is just so lackadaisical. He's just mm-hmm. very sort of taciturn in his delivery. Um, all right. So is there or is there not really a Castle Rock here? There's a Castle Rock in Washington State. In Washington. But in the book, The Body, which is on the thing they based Stand By Me on, I'm pretty sure that's set in Castle Rock, Maine, because Castle Rock, Maine, is the fictitious town in which Stephen King sets almost all of his books. That's the whole great thing about Stephen King, right? Is he, he made a fake town. He, Castle Rock, Maine doesn't really exist. It only exists in the weird mind of Stephen King, and everything is sort of based there. So my question is... Why did they change it from Castle Rock, Maine to Castle Rock, uh, Oregon, or Washington, or whatever, for Stand By Me? This doesn't make any sense. Hmm. Should I even continue talking about this? No. Um, no, we should talk about what we were talking about during the break. All right, so, so coming back, and, and then we'll move on to this. Uh, we're going we're gonna to do Rick Emerson's Ironic or Not here in just a second. Um, and this is at the request of a listener who wants us to settle uh, settle a dispute about the, the word ironic. Um, by the way, they used to sell this. I wish I'd purchased one while it was still there, and now it's gone. They used to sell the most bitchin' thing on FARC.com, and they sold a shirt. I don't know why they took it away. It's like the FARC store just vanished. Maybe it's back. But inexplicably, uh, the FARC store just went away one day. Just, they just took it away. But they used to sell a great shirt that had, like, a badge on the front, like on the uh, on the left breast. It was, like, a small badge. And on the back, though, it said, Irony Police. And it looked like... One of those, like, SWAT team shirts, like one of those gang unit shirts, but it's white on black, and it just said, Irony Police. I wanted one of those shirts so badly, and I went to purchase it, and the link didn't work. They'd taken it away. Anyway, so uh, we're coming back here uh, from the break, and we were talking about, and keep in mind, tomorrow's my last day before I go on vacation, and when I come back, I won't care about this anymore, probably. So we were talking about this woman with whom Richie Bristol had the sex, and how the girl didn't want to be identified because, you know... And uh, and so I still don't know who it was and, you know, whatever. And so and obviously we would, you know, even if we did, we would sort of honor her request that her name not be put out. But the thing is that Sarah knows who it is. And so there was some d- dispute, though, about whether you really did. Because you went by, you went into Richie's office the other day and just drilled him repeatedly until... And I said the... Well, and I, I had also... So did he tell you the name of the girl or did you ask and based on his reaction you went, aha, that's who it is? Um. Well, I knew that that was who it was based on... Just like a lot of things on the space, you can find out a, a lot of people just based on basic friend placement and also um, like comments. Because if I can, if I can say this, you correctly figured out. Uh, can I say this? The other person? I don't know. Okay, there's somebody well, else. Be, let's just yeah, say, but there's yeah. somebody else we know that just got a girlfriend or whatever. You know, the, yeah. the, the, the girl. Uh, and I don't think it's necessarily public knowledge, but you figured it out. Based on just sort of seeing the way they acted or seeing MySpace postings or something, I could just, you could totally you could tell. tell. So you were able to spot like, aha, you and you and her are together. How do you know? I can tell. I'm Sarah Dillon. So you sort of see through people. You have a weird sort of social forensic ability. So 
So is it based on Richie's reaction or based on MySpace stuff or all of the above? How is it that you figured out that this because girl I, is the one he slept with? Based on what he told us, also based on what I what I had seen and uh, on the interaction between the two between the two people. Right. I could I could see that there was a little something there, and then I don't know. I just I, I kind of narrowed it down. All right. Okay. Wait. Hold on. So now. So somebody's asking me about uh, Family Guy stuff. So, is it, but it is Seth Green that does that voice, yes, right? Yes, he's Chris. All right, okay, just checking here. Um, so, um, uh, okay, so th- so then based on okay, so then so it was a combination of all of those things, and yes. the MySpace stuff, and then Ask Him, and then whatever. So you now that he is sort of trying to take it back and saying that he was just trying to throw you off the scent by giving you a fake name, you are not buying that at all. No, absolutely right. not. Okay. No, I I know that I'm. Let me ask you this: uh, right. If uh, are you um, dreading slash anticipating the next time you see this girl in public? No. Wondering no. what her reaction will be. Wondering if she'll just look at you and go, "It's all true." <laughs> if she'll just, do you think that she'll bring it up? Do you think that she will proactively mention it, or is she no, going to keep up the code those, of silence? Yeah, I think it'll be the code of silence because she's a. I, I know her. She's a. She's a nice girl. Yeah. I just don't know what she was thinking. All right. Well, fair enough. <laughs> we expected so much more. I don't know if you can, because I'm looking through here. Are you looking at her MySpace postings to him? Yeah, well, uh, there was there was a, a couple specific ones where I was able to. We went, uh huh, uh huh. All right. Uh, Seamus says the best thing about Family Guy is that the almost flawlessly gorgeous. What is? How do you pronounce her name? Mila, Mila, Mila Kunis, Kunis. Yeah, I think it's Mila. Kunis. Well, whatever. Yeah, I think she's great as Meg. Uh, yeah, he said you know that she voices Meg, who you know is like a, a dog or whatever, uh, and that uh, uh, blah 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 blah. Anyway, so there you go. Uh, all right, so we have phone calls. I'm watching. Here? It's weird too because I'm watching the first season right now, and it's before me. Uh, whatever her name is, uh, did the voice of Meg. This is a totally different voice, and it just doesn't work. Wait, is that true? Mm-hmm. When did this? So when did the switchover happen? I think uh, season two. Okay. And the mother, you know, and in the first season too, like she's not as nasally. You know how she's kind of over the top now. Yeah, and that she is Alex very... Borstein, right? Yeah. Boy, she, she's hot. She talks very quietly. Yeah. Well, you know, she was on. She's on Mad TV or was on Mad TV. I remember her. And the Gilmore Girls fans in the house uh, will know that uh, Alex Borstein, who does the voice of Lois Griffin, is married to the guy who played Jackson who ran uh, Jackson, who was Suki's husband, on Gilmore Girls. Uh, and I guess they were like improv comics or something together. Uh, all right. So apparently, uh, uh, Castle Rock, there's one in Maine, one in Oregon, and one in Washington. That's weird. And yet it wasn't filmed in any of those places. It was, it was filmed in Eugene. This doesn't make any sense. Uh, all right. Well, we should do this uh, this other thing here. Um, so I, I don't have the email in front of me, but you and I were actually just talking about this during the break. So I got an email from a guy, and I wish for the life of me I could find him. But I got an email from the guy the other day, and I don't think he was drunk when he sent the email, but he sent me this whole email talking about the uh, the ironic song by Alanis Morissette, which I know is like 12 years old at this point. But oh, it's still so good, though. It's You know what it is? Here's the thing about that Second album. That little pill totally holds up. It's a great record. It really is. And I know that she, I won't say that she's disowned it. I know that she's really tried to move past it. But you know what I just heard the other day? I just heard um, Hand in My Pocket. That's not a bad song at all. Wow, this video just freaked me out. Oh, my God. I just had the biggest flashback to eighth grade. That was so weird. Okay. Ooh, I'm, I'm back. That was wow. so weird. Boy, I'm old. All right. I was flashing back to, God, how old was I when this came out? On this video. Like 23, something like that. Um, This is the video where it's all the different versions of her in the car. Yes. Yeah. You know what else is a great song? Here's one of the old, what would you say? I can't believe we're having this discussion. What would you say is the best Alanis Morissette song? For you personally. Saying if you had to, you know, pick one, it's like that's, that's 
That's her best song. That's her best work. Mm. I like I, I this is actually my favorite song. Really? Yeah, and um, I, I like uh, hand like the one hand in my pocket. hand in my pocket. That's a good one. You know what I'm saying? I'm saying for me it's uninvited. What a great song uninvited yeah. is. Yeah. I mean that's a truly beautiful melody. And there, the thing about uninvited is you can tell she can really sing. Because, I mean, I guess they could pitch shift it or whatever, but it's a, she's not hidden behind layers of production. That's a really beautiful song. One of my favorite songs of hers, too, is the hidden track on uh, on Jagged Little Girl. I don't even think I know what that is. Oh, it's a great song. It's just her a cappella singing about how she, um, she goes into her boyfriend's house, and she's just looking around. All of a sudden, she sees love letters from another girl and <laughs> realizes that they're you know not from her, and he's seeing uh, someone else. It's a, really, it's a really neat song. Here's a confession. As an American, I mean, I've never owned Jagged Little Bill. I mean, I kind of knew people would be playing it. I'm a guy. But, I mean, it's like I know all the singles and the whatever. But, uh, anyway. And then Uninvited was in City of Angels, too, I think. I think that's where I actually heard it the first time. But it's on Jagged Little Pill, isn't it? Yes. Yeah, that's a really great album. Anyway. I think so. So, But but the weird thing is, it's from a dude, anyway. Um, And he was drunk with his He and his friend were drunk. And they got into a big uh, argument about the Alanis Morissette song, Ironic. And how, and this is a thing that we've certainly talked about, and I know she got a lot of flack for this when it came out of the people, these aren't really ironic. And so, this is like the guy who sent me that email a while back, which I still haven't ever addressed, about the serial comma, and how he's got a professor who marks him, uh, gives, who marks him down incorrectly, I might add, when he uses the Oxford or serial comma, uh, when listing groups of three, which is, by the way, how you're supposed to do it. Sorry, Muppet. I didn't mean to un- uh, under your dog over there. Anyway, so he so he said, can you please once and for freaking all just establish whether or not the Alanis Morissette song Ironic is correct? Are these things ironic or not? Please just tell me. Uh, so I have now. Is my computer up over there? All right. Okay, so I now have now the Alanis Morissette song Ironic. This is what we're going to do on the Rick Emerson radio program. This is how I'm using the airwaves. We are going to address these things one at a time. And tell you whether they are ironic or not. An old man turned 98. You won the lottery and died the next day. Not ironic. Not ironic. Not ironic? Be- because irony is because irony is like sarcasm. Ironic. If something is ironic, you've seen reality by yes, define, like define irony. irony. <laughs> Do you remember the definition um, of irony? Uh, irony. It's uh, the actual meaning is the complete opposite of. There you go. Uh, of of, the, you of the literal meaning. Of the literal meaning. Yeah. Uh, and I just smoked my camel straight. Uh, <laughs> I don't remember when I was arguing. Like, uh, it, to be ironic. It's when something is really ironic. <laughs> when your laugh becomes a cackle. Uh, so. <laughs> God, I'm retarded. Um, it's so it, ironic. Um, so, in other words, ironic is well. The obvious example is if is if I come to work wearing a Napoleon Dynamite shirt. It's ironic because I really don't like Napoleon Dynamite. I'm kind of acting as though I do. The actual means different from the literal. Yeah, like the literal okay. meaning is like a, the literal meaning is that I'm wearing a Napoleon Dynamite shirt, and so therefore I must love it. The actual meaning is that I don't, so I'm being kind of kooky. Okay. Um, like, uh, here's an, here's another uh, definition of irony. Oh, like making my head hurt. Like, uh, I, I believe, so, uh, ironic would also be, I think, and I actually got into a little bit of an argument with somebody about this at one point. There is in London, there is a little section of London called George Orwell Place. It was like named for the author George Orwell. And I do but now believe, because I got a photo of it and I think it's real, that there are like, surveillance cameras there so it's like you can see the street sign that says george orwell place and then there's a then there's a camera there so literally while you're in george orwell place there is a camera i think that might 
be ironic, but I'm not really sure. I think ironic, though, is to be the opposite of the actual meaning of the word in actual impracticality. I'm trying to think of another really good example of irony. Another really good example of irony would be... God damn, now I can't come up with the best example. I think the best example is me wearing the Napoleon Dynamite shirt. Yeah, that, no, that works for me. Because it's the opposite. It's a black fly Chardonnay. See, not ironic. It's unfortunate, not ironic. See, that's ironic, though. See, no, that one, see, that one is completely ironic. Uh, because, it, because he is having his life spared, but of course he's already dead. So the actual consequence is completely the opposite of the intended consequence. A death row pardon two minutes too late is wholly... You know what I should have got? I should have gotten an English professor on the, on the, uh, on the phone for this. You're doing good. Okay, that one, though, is completely ironic. All right. And isn't it ironic? Rain on your wedding day. Not ironic. But it's different. Well, I guess that's like a, a want. No, I mean, here's the thing. It's, it's different like, from uh, the intended. I think uh, it's different from what you want, but it's not different from the actual, like it's just rain. Like it sucks, but it's not ironic. Mm -hmm. uh, I think rain, I'm trying to think of a way that rain could be ironic. Jesus, do we really go from talking about vaporizing your poo to talking about this? I think the only way rain could be ironic is if you were in... A town called It Never Rains. <laughs> it's a stupid example. All right. I'm really failing on the alternate examples. Okay. That's ironic, though. That's completely ironic. See, so I think she's getting a bad rap. I think she's batting about 50-50. A, a free ride when you've already paid because it's free, but hey, I had to pay. The opposite. That's ironic. That's not ironic at all. Hey, Rich, we use these things about this. Will you see if any of these calls are about irony? Well, what a weird statement that is. You know what else is ironic? Hmm. I think if you were a thoracic surgeon who died of a heart attack, that might be ironic. Because your whole job is, is promoting cardiac health. If you yourself died of a heart attack, I think that might be ironic. So is that ironic? No. I don't think so. Because he's choosing to fly and then the plane crashes. But he's waited his whole life. I think here's what would be ironic. If somebody, I'm telling you right now, this is going to be one of those shows where somebody's going to go, and I used that in my English class. I thought you should know. I, here's what would be ironic. Okay, no, no, no. This, is, this would totally be ironic. Okay. If he stayed at home and the plane crashed into his house and killed him. That would be ironic. Because he's, again, staying home to avoid any contact with the plane. The plane hits him anyway. If he had done something to avoid flying, but then the plane had somehow killed him anyway, okay. that would be ironic. It's like Just skip the course here. Traffic jam when you're 
Not ironic. That's just annoying. See, I think that might be ironic, though. That one I think yeah, about a lot. on an ashtray? I mean, th- see, there you go. That's yeah. what I'm talking about right there. See, that's well done, Sarah. That's perfectly ironic. I don't know what I'm talking about. I'm no, no, totally no. confused right I now. Think, <laughs> I, think a, I think an ashtray that says no smoking, I do believe that's ironic. Because the whole point of an ashtray is for you to smoke, right? That's the thing. Uh-huh. It is there to enable smoking. It is because without an ashtray, you have nowhere to put it. You can't smoke. It is there to enable smoking. A no smoking sign on an ashtray is absolute irony. So I think that's what she means, though, because she says no smoking sign on a cigarette plate. I would say that the, the tie goes to the runner there. I would say yeah. that that is ironic. Yes. It's like 10,000 spoons when I mm, No. No. See, I think that's ironic, though, because by definition, he can't be the man of your dreams if he's married. It's a conundrum. I think that is ironic. So there, so there you go. All right, we have some irony calls here. Uh, <laughs> I feel like I ought to be really. I feel like I ought to be wearing like a like a zany pair of suspenders for this. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson show. Hey, Rick. Hey. Um, basically, rename it mostly bummer. Yeah, see, ironic. that's what I mean. That it just it's kind of a li- basically it's a list of stuff that sucks about sixty percent of the time. But I would yeah. say that there's I would say that there's there's like a good there's a good four or five examples of real irony in that song. Yeah. Um, if you want your go-to irony uh, statement that everybody can at least get, yeah. the unsinkable Titanic, it sunk. That a ship that was marketed as unsinkable sunk. Okay, that is ironic mm-hmm. because if it had been mar- because but a regular ship sinking wouldn't be ironic, but a ship that was compl- that was always called uh, unsinkable sinking is then ironic. Roger that. All right. Thank you, my friend. Later, brother. All right. There you go. Uh, hi, you're on the Rick Emerson show. Hello. Hey, Rich. Rick, I think you're limiting yourself in your definition of ironic because the way I always learned it and understood it was that there's two kinds of uh, humor. There's funny ha-ha and there's funny amusing. And anything that's funny amusing can be ironic. Well, you're talking about sort of uh, you're talking about verbal uh, irony, which is more, yeah. more like sarcasm. You know, verbal descriptive, even an anecdote. Are not always funny, haha. Is that when like is that when like somebody says you're as funny as a rubber crutch, which of course is not funny at all. No, it's as clear as mud, because of course mud, not <laughs> clear. But not, yeah. You know, like I say, there's like I say, it's funny, haha. Outright, out, out, open laughter, or there's funny amusing, right. and you just kind of go, hmm, okay, right. okay, all right, thank you. See ya. All right. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson show. Hello. Hey, good afternoon. What's up? I got I got a, uh, a funny ironic for you. It happened about 10 or 15 years ago where there was an RV dealer here in the Portland area, and I can't remember, or Salem, excuse me, and I can't remember his name, but he died in an RV. He had a heart attack, and the, and the RV went over a cliff. <laughs> swear to God. <laughs> swear to God. Because I, when I heard that news, I laughed my ass off thinking, the guy died in an RV. Thank you, sir. No problem. All right. Uh, let's see here. We have this. Has situational irony. How about, how about this, Sarah? When John Hinckley attempted to assassinate President Ronald Reagan, all of his shots initially missed the president. But a bullet ricocheted off the bulletproof windows of his limousine and struck Reagan in the chest. Thus, the windows made to protect the president from gunfire were ironically responsible for his being shot. That is irony. <laughs> that is irony. All right. Uh, all right. Well, let's uh, let's see. We have more ironic calls, and then we'll take a break and be done with this forever. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson show. Here's a Ironically, this was supposed to be amusing, and then <laughs> it's a huge waste of everyone's time. Yes. 
Exactly. Uh, it's like a tree hugger <laughs> getting killed by a falling tree. So if Trey Arrow, it, it, let me under, how about this though? What if, uh, what if Trey Arrow were living in a tree to protect it, but unbeknownst to him, uh, he brought with him some bacteria that attacked the tree and killed it. That would be ironic. That would be. All right. Thank you. Uh, All right. There you go. See, now I'm coming up with the examples. Do one more. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hey, Rick. What's up? Hey, uh, isn't it, uh, wouldn't it be kind of ironic that the song called Isn't It Ironic doesn't have any irony in it? I See, somebody emailed me that, and they said, maybe she's trying to be ironic by using a bunch of words, you know, in ironic sense that aren't. But the thing is, I think that, I think about half of her examples are truly ironic. I would say that a no smoking sign in your cigarette break is ironic. I would absolutely, I'd stand by that one. That is a good one. All right. Thank That's you. Thanks, All right. Bye. Ironically, I said that was the last call. <laughs> oh. oh, cigarette break. For some reason, I always thought it was like cigarette plate, and I thought she meant like a... Um... No, I think it is cigarette break, but I think that's still ironic, though. Hi, because if you can't smoke, it's not a cigarette break. Mm -hmm. It's just a break. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello. Hey, Rick. What's up? Hey, according to an English lit professor I had that we actually studied that song for some reason, Mm -hmm. they're all ironic. It just depends on your perspective. Well, that's... That's the sort of crap a professor says because he's a professor. It's all about your perspective. But that's not true. Things aren't about your perspective. Things are either true or they're not. Well, yeah, but, you know, what can I say? I flunked the class anyway. (laughs) So, ironically, the language didn't do you any good to go to class. You were trying to be educated. You failed. I failed miserably. Thank you. Okay, I got the greatest email from a listener. It says, The Wonderful Wizard of Oz, uh, from Christopher, The Wonderful Wizard of Oz is a story whose plot revolves around irony. Dorothy travels to the wizard and fulfills his challenges and challenging demands to go home before discovering she had the ability to go home the entire time. The scarecrow longs for intelligence only to discover he's genius. The woodsman longs to be capable of love only to discover he already has a heart. And the lion, who appears to be a whimpering coward, turns out to be bold and fearless. That is interesting. And the people of Emerald City believe the wizard to be a powerful deity only to discover he's a bumbling and we had that And we had that thing called the New News Hour, and there was no news in it. That's completely ironic. Let's do one more. Uh, hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Rick, the case. Hello, Mike Chase. How are you, sir? I'm well. How are you? I am fantastic. You're calling. To, I know without even, without even looking at the screen, I know that you are calling to talk about irony. Well, a little bit, yeah. I just wanted to throw something in there that um, I once made a mixtape for somebody because I've always... Had a hard time separating irony and coincidence. Yes. And I think that people separate. That it's hard to separate those two. When things coincide, it does not necessarily mean that they are ironic. Unless, so unless they're sort of at cross purposes, then it's like an ironic juxtaposition. Right, right. And I think that the the struggle with it is like, what's the intent? You know, you guys have kind of been honing in on that, which is good. Like the intent, you know, the, the purpose of setting out on one endeavor and then getting its exact opposite, I think makes it an uh, ironic situation. So the intent has something to do with it. And then Steve Martin has a really good example of irony, which is uh, he's you know he's before a crowd of people and he says, uh, by a show of hands, how many people here have never raised their hands before? That's really funny. Yeah. Excellent. Well done. All right. Thank you, my friend. All right, there you go. Oh wait, on that we'll go out on that one. Tim, have you news for us? Yes, news of plenty. Excellent. We'll come back. More news and the top five songs from Sarah Dillon's seventh grade year. Stay there. It's the Rick Emerson radio program. How about this? Last one. When you get that flu shot and it gives you the flu. That happened to me. That's what I'm saying right there. That's it for the win. I'd rather get pink eyes. Well, day's not over, Tim. That is true. We'll do the top five here in just a second. This is your personal savior. And now, from the Ministry of Truth, this is... Get somebody in here for you to rub eyeballs with. Oh, 
Well, if you think your gas prices are high, how would you like to live in Germany where their gas is 8.55 a gallon? Or Britain, where it's 8.25? Or in Spain, 7.32? Well, if you're not getting gouged at the gas pumps, people are trying to poison you with tomatoes. Dr. Ian Williams of the Center for Disease Control and Tomato Experts says he's trying to study its origin. The FDA is working very diligently doing a trace back to try to figure out where these contaminated tomatoes came from. Dr. Ian says he'll continue to investigate. The way the process works is we did an epidemiologic investigation in Texas and New Mexico where we examined people who were ill and and determined that they had uh, consumed tomatoes. Who would have known? All right, some guys work at the the mall, I guess. Yes, all right. Well, if you're not going to get pink guy, you're going to be poisoned by tomatoes. There you go. Okay, gouge at the gas pumps. Pick your poison. A body covered with tire tracks has been found in a homeowner's yard in Melbourne, Florida. The man's death is a mystery. Uh, Investigators originally thought it was just a shooting. Melbourne where, Tim? That was me. He did not finish saying Florida. You're not supposed to do it over him. What? Florida. From Florida comes the word. Actually, I lied. This is from the local six news site, which is from Florida, but a story about a New York City man. All right. His Memorial Day fun ended when police pulled him over because he was driving his motorized cooler. Leslie the Bomber Marv <laughs> has been charged while driving while intoxicated an aggravated, unlicensed operation of a motor vehicle after police saw him swerving on the street and driving on the sidewalk in his cruising cooler. Cooler. I barely knew her. Wait, so you can get a cooler license? No, you He's can't. unlicensed? Apparently so. Well, that implies that you can get a license, though. I, I guess so. Uh, Bomber's electric-powered cooler... Bomber. I barely cooler. knew her. I barely knew her. ...was filled with 14 beers and had room for 24 cans and ice. Under New York state law, driving any motorized vehicle can be done without alcohol, including motorized coolers. I barely knew her. I'm sorry. In various states, other modes of transportation, like I care, in which driving is prohibited (laughs) while intoxicated include lawnmowers, boats, bicycles, golf carts, wheelchairs, and horses. The Cruising Cooler website features talk show host Ellen DeGeneres riding a cooler herself. It combines two basic necessities of life, the ability to have cold food or a beverage handy, along with the means of getting somewhah without walking. Go to cruisingcooler.com. It can go 13 miles per hour. It can also pull a 400-pound load on level surfaces. We could ride our coolers to work. Yes, can we, please? All right. So uh, that's it for now. Let's move along to other things. I have this little list here. Is this the top five? five I suppose it is, four. yes. As we head back to the time of the year of 1992, when backwards pants were in fashion, and Arrested Development was a crappy band, and on a fantastically hilarious television program. I'm with you on that. Amen. We check out the Is the Top 5 songs from the week of November 28, 1992. You know, one of these days I'm going to have you do a list of 
the top five things you would wear if you were trying to dress all 90s. Oh, I could totally do that. You should do that at like... Like maybe another day, you should you should be be thinking about that because okay. you know because why should the seventies and the eighties get all the brunt like and the parachute pants? Terrible, yeah. terrible. Be thinking about the top five things you would wear if you wanted to look you all nineties. Cross colors. See, I don't even know what those are. Oh man. All right, here's Tim Riley. This is when Sarah was a wee seventh grader. Honorable mention, boys to men, the end of the road. Ugh. This is for you, Sarah Wagner. Now, when you, this one's going out to you. So when oh, you God, I loved Boys to Men so much. So when you put together this list, are these your favorites, or is this literally the top five from a specific week? This is the top five from the week of November, uh, November twenty eighth, nineteen ninety two. Oh, okay, the, the actual Billboard top five. Yeah, this would have been much higher if it was mine. This sounds like I want to make love to you. They, I think they have all, a song called "I'll Make Love to You." That's what I thought. Yeah, I think all their songs are basically "I'll Make Love to You." And yet, that's true. Is this a dead? Is this a song about somebody being dead? That's the sound of the end of the road. What's this song about, Sarah? I don't the know. end of the road. Is somebody dead? Is it a breakup song? Kids it's don't a, care. Yeah. I think it's a breakup song. Even I know this. Uh, yeah, it's a breakup song. Okay. Oh, and still, I can't let you go. This is when they sway back and forth on the dance floor. Totally. Leave room for the Holy Ghost, Tim. And they're just miserable for the sake of being miserable. Yeah. God, I remember slow dancing <laughs> to this song. What's your deal? I'm morose. Why? I don't know. You live at home. All of your expenses are paid. You get to have, uh, you know, you, you get to have adolescent fun and someone else puts the bill. I don't know why. I'm just morose. Okay. You get to wear cross colors. Mm-hmm. Here's Tim Riley. Number 5, PM Dawn. I'd die without you. Yeah. These songs are like two death songs in a row here. Whatever happened to PM Dawn? I don't know. I remember when this guy, uh, I think Prince... Oh, this was to Boomerang. This is from Boomerang, right? Like Why I... do I even remember that? Seriously, I never even saw Boomerang. I was just going to say, like I, like I ever watched that movie. Here's the only thing I know about... Yeah! Wow. Here's the only thing I know about the movie Boomerang starring Eddie Murphy. If you look at the poster for the movie Boomerang, and Tim will back me up on this, there's the poster is of a woman tugging on his bow tie, and she's tugging on a part of his bow tie that doesn't exist. If you look at a, if you know how a bow tie works, that part of the tie doesn't exist. That's the thing that that's why I didn't see that movie. I looked at that poster, I'm like, f that, I'm never seeing it. It's you, Boomerang incorrect fashion. Uh, I remember when this guy Prince B was being called the Brian Wilson of hip hop, and we're done. Oh no, it's never gonna be. Okay. Yeah, music, music was really slow and boring this year. Really bland. But I loved it all. Is there a? There seems These to be no melody to this song. This is when I was in Catholic school. And we'd have dances with the other Catholic schools. Never the Lutherans, though. Never the <laughs> Lutherans. Gotta keep her own kind. I don't know where these guys went. They were kind of everywhere for about a year and a half, and then gone. Oh, God, I need a nap. All right, the top five songs from when Sarah Dillon was in seventh grade. Number four, Rex and the Fact. Oh, God, Rump Shaker? It is, is Rump Shaker. Oh, are you kidding me? Everyone shake their rumps. Rump Shaker? Yeah. <laughs> wow, I haven't heard this forever. 
Rum shaker. Is this the check baby one, two, three? Yes. I'm surprised they allowed this in the Capitol. No, I don't think they wouldn't let us listen to the gangster rap. Oh, man. I hope so. It's the, it's All right. Why don't you... Where are you playing? Is it a video? Yeah, it's a video. Is it the video from, like, MTV? Yeah. All right. Well... But we can stop it because nobody likes something. <laughs> All I know is that little horn line they sample there is also from. Um, All I want to do. So what you want to? So what you're going to do? I think by Public Enemy. All right. Here's Tim Riley at the uh, number three. Yeah. Shay or shy? If I ever fall in love. These are all from Sarah Wagner's music collection. Every one of these. Coming right back at you, baby. Oh God. These songs this all. This Queen, right? <laughs> they, I, I'm just. They all sound like they're. Uh, was everybody on Quaaludes this year? I mean, Rump Shaker was upbeat. I'll give you that. Patterns. Oh man, that was a bad time for fashion. I haven't heard the song in 15 years. I don't think I know the song. I know all the others. I don't think I know this song though. I think you'll know the next one. Is this number three? Yeah, sure is. But I was coming up. Invisible attraction. Jesus, to my satisfaction. Maybe you'll wet. Well, who isn't? I was just gonna say, I I think this is just bland. It's I mean, and they all have these lush one suspects. Studio augmented harmonies. There, there appears to be no hook to this song. How did this ever reach number three? And I don't mean that I'm like a music was better in my day. Music wasn't any better in my day. I'm just saying there's no chorus here. Well, that's awkward. Hey, speaking of being shirtless and wet, who was the guy that did that video? Uh, where it was like an R&B song, and he was nude, and it was just like one static shot oh, of him, like on a turntable, like I he know was you're turning around. He's so pretty. Um, it wasn't uh, D'Angelo, was it? It was. Yeah, and it was like him, clearly nude, on like a slow-moving turntable, totally lines. showing like the oh. pelvic bone or whatever it is that is. Come and just on. no, I went home. My wife was like, I have just watched the greatest music video on earth. I said, what do you go? She goes, it's just this hot black guy, and he's nude, and it's just him for four minutes. I'm like... him sitting there singing. Oh. Seriously, I'm like, all right, I'm going to go back to the store. You just let me know when you're done. No, I mean, if I was the guy, I would just wanted to kill myself after seeing that video. Yes. Yes, you and me both. All right, uh, counting down the top five songs from when Sarah Dillon was in seventh grade. You'll recognize this one. Number two, The Heights. How do you talk oh, to an angel? Oh, God. Yes! Whatever happened to The Heights? There should be a good... That's a good... I, somebody should do that. I should put that in my documentary of we, many... Do, we, I, Say it. No, we need to, we need to make, make a campaign now to start to get the heights back together for a reunion. Oh, I wasn't going to say oh, that. That's what, I'm, that's what I'm saying. A reunion? That's what would they play? This. <laughs> over and over again. Play, play that same song. <laughs> I was going to say we could probably get one of these dudes on the show at this point. Mm, not Jamie Walters. All right, I'm going to Wikipedia the heights right now. Crowded House wants their music back. Uh, let's see, The Heights. So this song has some really good rhymes. I have never found him attractive. He looks just slobbery. Jamie Walters. Jamie Walters. He's like these little, like, pin eyes, and then he, like... Pin eyes. 
then he's like, his lips are always wet and he looks all sloppy. He has pin eyes. You know, he was engaged to Drew Barrymore. I know. Until the Mac guy stole her away. Yeah, I wonder if there's something. Wait, what is he even doing now? I'm trying to figure out why. You said we couldn't get him. Why not? What is it? I was just being so You know, the last movie he did was eight years ago. He hasn't done anything since the year 2000. We could completely get him. He's 38. What's he doing? Getting ready to be 40. Boy, you know how many people are in this band? 11. <laughs> Takes a lot to make this kind of magic. Jesus. 13 episodes. Featuring such hits as The Star Ain't Nothing But a Ball O' Gas. Wow. I hate this song. All right, you're going to love this top one. Okay, okay, these are the top five songs from, I have to say, there's been an entertaining list, though. It and has. it's unfair to say that I hate that song. I hate that saxophone. That's mm. what I hate. I hate that saxophone. There not would be nothing song, left though. of the song. I bet at this point, somebody, if somebody covered that song right now, I'd have it be a hit again. Like, a, you know, like a, like a Nick Lachey kind of guy. Oh, yeah. Some sort of adult, contemporary, kind of young, but kind of stepping into that, you know, the AC uh, genre. I bet that song could be Jimmy hit Walters all over again. will never let his grip go on that. You know it. <laughs> Me! Uh, seriously, I wonder what he's doing right now. Mm. All right, here's... Okay, so these have been the top... This has been a great list. Yeah, top yeah. five songs from Sarah Dillon's uh, seventh grade year. Okay. Uh, do the best for last. Hold on, before you say it. Now, um, uh, solo artist or group? Solo. Male or female? Female. You know it. Yeah, you do. Whitney Houston. Yes. yes. I will always love you. Yes. Wow. It Only because we mentioned it yesterday. I Did we? Or today. I think we were talking about it earlier today. Should I shouldn't have told oh, you. Oh, yeah. So I was saying how it was number one for 14 weeks. I would only oh, bye. Tim Ryland. Gentlemen, the greatest newsman in the history of the world back at 4, 5, 6, and 7. Top of the hour is all three of like us. While you're doing this, I'm going to look at uh, Jamie Walters' MySpace page. I cannot even tell you how many times I listened to this song. Over and over and over and over again. Now... Let me ask you this. Now, here in 2008, as uh, stripping away nostalgia, how do you feel about this song? This version. I don't think it can strip away nostalgia. I don't, you're I don't you're think, unable to view it objectively. I'm unable to, yes. That's I, a fair I, point. I really believe so. Although Dolly Parton's version is so much better. That, okay, see, that was going to be my question. Is do, do you feel the Dolly Parton version? No, Dolly better? Parton, because Whitney Houston has a beautiful voice and she just sings this, but Dolly Parton feels it. That's true. You can just you can hear it in her voice. She is like, that, those are coming from her heart. And here it's just kind of like, she has a pretty voice. That's my thing with the Dolly Parton version is it feels like a real person singing to another real person. Mm -hmm. This sounds like a performance, which is fine. Big hit, though. Huge hit. I saw Dolly Parton interviewed about this one time, and they said, "Hey, so you know, does it? Are you are you irritated that like everybody just knows the Whitney Houston version?" And she's like, "Sugar, you know how much money I made off that Whitney Houston song? I bought me a big house with that." You know, I was like, "Okay, go, Dolly." I'm looking at Jamie Walters' MySpace. It's the official Jamie Walters MySpace page. I was friends with Dylan McKay for a while on the MySpace. Really? His last login was today. <laughs> Loser. Uh, he's fo Oh, here we go. Wait. Do you know what he does now? He's a paramedic. No. He's a paramedic. No, he's not. He is focusing on his family and his career as a paramedic, medic, but hopes to get back into music and acting sometime in the near future. That was written four years ago, by the way. <laughs> And, okay, and I'm looking here at his friends, and they're all like porn girls. <laughs> Seriously. Really 
Hey. Oh, God. How many friends would you imagine the guy who was the lead singer for the Heights has? 238. I mean, no, I mean, it's more than that. It's 500. But uh. seriously, Richie has like 1,700. His top friend is a girl named Mandy Lynn, who is sitting in her office chair in front of her computer wearing only a bra and panties. Living <laughs> the dream. Good for you, Jamie Walters. Good to see you made something of yourself. All right, back after this to wrap it up. Stay there. Life treats you kind And I hope you have all you dreamed of All right, we'll now take random calls to the uh, top of the hour. Uh, if you would like to uh, sneak onto the program, now is your chance. It's 503-733-2970. We'll do random calls to the end of the show here. Uh, like us coming up at 3. Michael Mara's show at 7. We'll be back tomorrow. Don't forget, Thursday and Friday... Uh, Tim and Sarah will be here, and uh, I will be uh, gone. I'll call from the beach, though. We're uh, doing best ofs, right? Yeah, best ofs, and then uh, Tim will do news, and I'm at. But I'll be do, here, uh, rest assured, watching episodes of 90210 on my computer and being paid for it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you'll do. Uh, I would imagine amusing beginning of show banter. Yes. All right. Uh, okay, so there's this. Uh, yeah, there's this like taco stand that's uh, on the beach. So I'll call you from there as I'm, uh, as I'm ref- yeah, refilling an orchard. Really nice. Um. Uh, let's see here. Uh, Laura was like, you know, you should actually you should call from actually out like in the surf. And, you know, the thing is, that's such bad karma that I know that I would drop my Blackberry into the ocean immediately. Totally. I'm calling from the ocean. <laughs> well, you're going to have to call when you're there. Yeah. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello. Hello, sir. Hello. Hi. How are you? I have an observation on the Sarah's list. Uh, this is Sarah's top five list? Okay, let me find well, our... it's actually Billboard. Uh, oh, I'm sorry. Top finding our uh, random call. But I did All right. Yes, go ahead, sir. Um, it's obvious now why we have alternative radio based on that list. Well, there are certain times when you can listen to music and figure out why certain musical movements had to happen. Like uh, when we did that top five forgotten hair bands or whatever that was. And it was just a bunch of Danger Danger and Steelheart and Bang Tango and just whatever. And you listen to that and you're like, this is why grunge had to happen. Like, this is why Kurt Cobain came about is because of bands like Danger Danger. So, yeah, I can totally see that. Are you done, sir? I am done. Thank Great. you very much. Call us anyway. All right, thank you. Uh, let's see. Uh, Rick, wasn't the Heights a spinoff of 90210? Now that 90210 is coming back, they need to score getting the Heights on the new show, maybe as a zany cameo. How great. That would be a great cameo. Yeah, there wasn't much crossover from the Heights. I don't even think Jamie Walter, uh, Jamie Walters played the same character on the Heights, but I know that Jake from... Uh, or no, I'm thinking Melrose Place, then. Sure. There's a crossover between Melrose Place and... Well, Melrose, Melrose is a spinoff of 90210, right? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello. Uh, yes, sir. Uh, you've given me a great idea. Hmm. I, I would love a, uh, a garden gnome Chomsky. Just a little you mean, of him. You mean like for Halloween? Or just for, you know, every day around the house. Just All a right. garden gnome, no? All um, right. I've got, uh, I know what's wrong with the... Uh, uh... <laughs> <laughs> Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello. Yo! Thanks. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello. Two great movies coming up. Choke and Gonzo the Biopic. Ah. Is Gonzo the Biopic coming up? Dude, it is. Apple Movie Trailers. Starring who? Uh, beats the hell out of me, but it looks good. All right. got a whole bunch of people, the actual people, and uh, it, looks, it looks awesome. All right. After Johnny Depp, who could ever play Hunter Thompson, though? Um, Interesting. Older Johnny Depp. All right. I'll look into it. Thank you, sir. Can we do one more? Yeah. All right. Final call. Hi, don't suck. You're on the Rick Emerson Show. <laughs> How's it going today, guys? Hey, what's up? 
Uh, I just was, I met you uh, Saturday at the Powell Bookstore in Beaverton. Yes, sir. And my wife said I was so much of an idiot that I wanted to apologize. Not at all. Now, if you were an idiot, I'd remember you. I'd have been like, hey, I met this idiot. Uh, no, not at all, sir. I was very short. I didn't want to take up your time, and she said I just rushed through, and I was like, I just want to say hi, that's all, and I just walked away. Dude, I'm, I'm not the Pope. You know, you can you can hang out and say hey and so forth. No, 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 I don't. Uh, I do remember meeting you. I remember your, I didn't know if it was wife, girlfriend, whatever, but yes, I do remember meeting you. Not an idiot, sir. Flush it out of your mind. Thank you very much. Tell that woman she didn't know what she's talking about. <laughs> Have a good day. All right, thank you, sir. All right, there you go. Good call. We'll end that on that. Good call. No time to be fair to another caller. If you're on hold, hang tight. We'll uh, get to you tomorrow. Well, hang tight. Hang up, I suppose. And we'll get to you tomorrow. Sorry about that. Uh, Rick Emerson, show produced today and every day by the lovely and talented Sarah X. Dillon for AM 970, Southern State Radio in the newsroom. Tim Riley and the phone's Richard Bristol, the gatekeepers. Dave Zinn tomorrow. Peter Carlin and Mr. Skin. Uh, like us next. Michael Maris show uh, at 7. See you all tomorrow. Bye now. Oh, the ribbons of shame!